God, where the hell am I? I was in my bed, and all of a sudden, the lightning struck through my roof for some reason. No, Oh no! Oh gosh, that's that's medieval clothing. I'm in another world, aren't I? Well, but at least the day has come. Anime has taught me how to get through all this. So there's obviously a convenient adventure guide here or in my brain that's telling me that this adventure may have language and situations that are not suitable for all audiences, and that adventurers' discretion is advised. It also tells me that spoilers for that time I got reincarnated as a slime up to episode twelve may will may and will occur as well as any spoilers for any other anime series so if you want to go on this adventure go back to the guild and watch or read that stuff then come out here to you know level up and crap and finally it says that any opinions expressed in tonight's episodes are that of the dub are that of the individual members of the dub talk podcast guild and do not represent the podcast guild as a whole all right well level one and might as well do something. I mean, there's a there's a slime over there I can go... Why is it telling me that it's going to come at me, brah? Why does it know what brah means? Oh god, no, get away from me! Ah! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, slimes of all colors, welcome to the Dub Talk Podcast, a show where a group of four nerds get irrevocably murdered and talked to by magic Google Siri and sent to another world to help protect all of the monsters and creatures in it. I am your great hostess, Keejin Megan, and to my left, I have Direwolf Roots. Um, Awoo? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Honey. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> God! I'm awkward. I know, honey. <laughs> Fuck! Y'all try that again. Good night, everybody. <laughs> no, we're keeping it. It's better this way. We have Dwarf Jet. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> And we have Hobgoblin, uh, Andrew. Hey, yo, I had some poison mushrooms and now I died, but I got better and now I'm poison resistant. Yahoo! Fucking Christ. <laughs> this is already off to an amazing start. <laughs> uh. Oh, Christ almighty. Uh, so yeah, Team Grimgar is back, Gosh, Would you let me do my goddamn job? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ah. Uh. Let me do my goddamn job. <laughs> Tonight, Team Grimgar is back in action as we once again tackle everyone's least favorite genre in anime, Isekai. But, have we found the one that is actually good and wholesome and doesn't have slavery? Why, yes, tonight we are going to talk about the 2018 anime, That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. The story is as follows, Satoru Miku- <laughs> Fuck! I forgot to write down the plot synopsis. God damn it. Well, time to do this myself. <clears throat> the story of that time I got reincarnated as a slime follows Satoru, a 37-year-old man who has never gotten any but any, 
who gets stabbed and murdered when his co-worker tries to take him out for a nice dinner to show off his girlfriend. In his dying moments, he wishes for a lot of things, and magical Google Siri, aka the Great Sage, hears him, reincarnating him as a slime. But this slime is smarter than the average slime, and learns how to do shit, like absorb things, and eventually comes upon a great dragon named Veldora. Veldora has been trapped in a cave for 300 years by a great hero who put a seal on there, becoming Veldora's friend. Uh, the slime gets a name, Rumaru Tempest, uh, basically absorbs the dragon, causing a large power vacuum in a forest, and essentially the story goes on how Rumaru becomes the world's greatest boss. Tonight, we are going to be covering the first 12 episodes of the Funimation Simuldub. That means we are only going up to episode 12, nothing beyond. There will be no spoilers for anything beyond episode 12. We do not know what happens by the time this goes up. I think probably the show might be almost done. I don't uh, know who's I editing this. Uh, yeah, I mean, technically I do know because I pick up with the simulcast, but I'll stay quiet. Well, 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 look who's the smart one of our animals here. <laughs> I mean, he, he, I'm he, kidding, Jed, I love you. <laughs> he's a dwarf, he knows how to build things from nothing. He knows how, what to do. Wait a minute. So this is a show about a slime learning to become a boss. Is this how Mafia works? Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck! I kind of made you pull that off! That's how Mafia works! Oh, Jesus Christ. I was thinking, you know what? This kind of sounds like the world's happiest mobster family, but then. Uh, uh, this is gonna be a weird night, I can already tell. But I'm excited. Ah, uh, this is gonna be fun. Christ. I've missed doing episodes with these assholes. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still not over. I'm still not over. Uh, a woo? <laughs> Alright, so rather than beat around the bush, let's dive right into this other world with our director, our assistant directors, and the writer of this, because this is a, I guess, review of the first 12 episodes, and frankly, I don't remember my fucking predictions anyway. Um... We're not going to be doing predictions, besides, we have a long enough cast list as it is. Mm -hmm. dot, dot. This show has a huge ensemble. So, starting off, our main director of this series is one unknown independent director named Clifford Chapin. Uh, I don't know if anybody's heard of him or not, I, I, I guess. His assistant directors are Brittany Lauda for episodes 6 through 11 and Felicia Angeal for episode 11. And the main writer of the series is one Kristen McGuire. Clifford Chapin, you will know for directing small independent series SSSS Gridman. Anyone heard of that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I hear the main girl and that is the worst. Mm. <laughs> so, sounds, like, sounds like a show that nobody's heard of. I'm just kidding. Oh my god. I mean, is it even really a trigger show? Uh, is it even really a trigger show? I heard they didn't even go to space. They went to cyberspace. Anyways. <laughs> Close enough. And Chio School Road. Brittany Lada has assistant directed on series such as Angels of Death and the Morose Mononokian. And Felicia Angeal has directed series such as Puzzles and Dragons X, as well as being an assistant director on Grimgar Ashes and Illusions slash Fantasy and That Ass, you may! <laughs> and Kristen McGuire has... <laughs> 
That was the first, like, okay, like, legit, I think it's been almost two years since the first time, like, the four of us have actually recorded together. I feel like it's been three now. Is it three? Yeah, was it 20? Yeah, it was 2016, wasn't it? Three years, motherfucker. Holy yeah. shit, we've been a group for three years. And like, Here's, happy three-year anniversary, guys! Woo! <laughs> and, like, I, I think this uh, was... And Chris... I think Grimgar was, like, the first episode I recorded with you, too, Megan. Aww. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, what is okay. so what's Kristen done? Uh, I don't know. Some some show called Magical Girl Raising Project? Hmm. Okay, I can't actually be mean to her about that. That is her pride and joy. Mm -hmm. she, is direct, she has written for work shows such as Magical Girl Raising Project, as well as interviews with Monster Girls. I love that. So, thing. we're going to... Gee, I wonder why. Anyway... <laughs> I'm going to absorb this cookie. And while I do that, uh, we're going to do this in the order of Roots, Jet, Andrew, and then myself. Because obviously the two big windbags of the show should go blast. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Roots of Justice, a woo way. <laughs> Alright. Um, yeah, the, the direction's pretty solid. It's, it's kind of a weird show because it kind of goes between like the serious kind of isekai tropey material and then it's also like a screwball comedy in the background so i i'm really glad that like clifford chapin and both of the assistant directors are basically able to just keep that duality intact it's it's kind of a weird weird combination and like casting solid and like nothing feels out of place the scripts like there are a lot of one-liners that are are really great uh oh god like hey diddle diddle i have no fiddle when uh rimaru gets his gets his uh human body for the first time and like figures out oh there's like there's no plumbing downstairs like at all like that was that was funny manscaping more like humanscaping oh yeah 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 that's where i might as well bring it up i swear that might as well be the one to bring it up uh, boy, it sure is bold of this Isekai show to have a non-binary protagonist. Yeah! <laughs> oh, Fancy hey, that! Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like, I, I think Rimuru identifies as male, like, throughout the show, but yeah. Slimes don't got time for that. Slime lives their life to their best. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, it's still my turn. Okay, um... Yes. Like, especially certain characters that we'll be getting to a little later. Um, it... The script is really funny, and it... It takes liberties that... You know... Like I said in the, uh... The Mr. Tonegawa episode, like... Comedy's really hard to translate from Japanese to English, because... You know... What's funny there probably isn't quite as much here just because of cultural differences so you kind of 
you kind of have to take a leap of faith with comedy dubs, and I'm I'm really glad that this changed things around in a way that still made the final product extremely funny. Also, like the little there are little things with the audio engineering that I I I really like. Like there's there's little things with Rimuru's voice in their human form and their slime form that there's an audible difference and I, I really like that they're trying to make everything distinct and yeah it's it's real good all around okay I guess it's my turn then um <laughs> uh, uh, so like I said a few times before this podcast Clifford Chapin is generally a very reliable director so I figured the show was in good hands when he was confirmed to be handling it, and so far that's proven to be pretty accurate. Uh, well, I haven't seen, like, too much of his work in comedy specifically. Uh, he's managed to get down to comedic time, the comedic timing for basically every performance in this show down well enough that almost every joke hits where it needs to. And uh, pretty much all the actors sound like they're having fun. I mean, of course, while Slime Time is a pretty lighthearted show on the surface, it also has its fair share of heavier material. And Cliff's direction allows for a lot of the dramatic moments to hit as hard as the comedic ones do. And uh, overall, there's a pretty solid balance in the whole thing. Uh, between this and Gridman, which was the other fall show he was directing, I'd say this one wasn't directed quite as well, but on the whole, I think it's pretty solid on that end. As uh, far as the script goes, I'm a little more divided. Uh, Clifford Chapin is usually very good about making sure that the shows he directs have a script that stays as faithful to the... Uh, Japanese track as it can, uh, but since this is, you know, partially a comedy, there's a little more leeway here, and that's reflected in Chris McGuire's work in that end. Uh, a lot of the serious moments are, you know, more or less played straight, uh, while a lot of the comedic moments are wrapped up with high amounts of banter and, you know, the occasional crude joke. Uh, for the most part, this balance works pretty well, and it captures the spirit of the Japanese track well enough that it doesn't feel like a totally different show in English. Uh, but I do have a pretty big hang-up about the style of dialogue for one character in particular, and how that kind of breaks through flow of the story a little bit for me. Uh, I'll get to that when we get to said character, but uh, on the whole, I do think the ADR work here is solid, with the exception of that one nitpick. So, yeah. Alright. So, uh, I would say... Sir Hobgoblin. Yep. I would say that the direction in the show is that reincarnated as a slime is is a much more lighthearted slash optimistic kind of show than I think I would have expected. It's a lot more colorful, a lot more fun. It's got its drama. It's got its character developing moments, but it feels like there's a lot more levity and room to breathe and relax in this kind of show. Even when there's action and some hardcore drama, dramatic stakes at play, it still feels like there's a lot of room to breathe, and that shows in a lot of the character performances and the script itself. I think the direction of a lot of characters is very solid. You can hear very distinct differences for numerous characters, because the thing about this show is that characters evolve and literally change their body and vocal performance in regards to getting an evolution and characters are distinct and sound different when they change that up 
And I really think it's noticeable and well done. And really interesting. A lot of these characters get some fun line, de line deliveries and performances. I feel everybody who's at the helm of the comedic moments is having the time of their life and sounding silly and goofy and fun. While also managing to make a lot of the dramatic moments and a lot of the harder moments that are meant to hit home, especially in regards to uh, episode 8, which we will get more into that later, especially, like, was so effective, I started tearing up a bit, which I was not expecting from this kind of show, but it was a very pleasant surprise nonetheless. The script is the kind of thing where I feel Kristen's work is very much, she is, she, she, anytime she gets into a script, she gets into the material very very much so reads a lot of the material and gets into this so i feel the changes with a show like this nothing is done in a way that i feel harms <laughs> or drastically changes the material i feel everything feels like something that would work in a show like this like there's a couple of weird lines but most of the time any change in line of dialogue is hilarious and a lot of times it always comes out of rimuru and anytime rimuru just says something that's quirky or just exacerbated it's always a fun time and there's a couple other fun lines said by a lot of the core ensemble cast this is a big cast too by the way so getting this many players into a show like this and making them all sound pretty stand out and humorous while also being serious and dramatic is a feat in and of itself i think the direction and the script are fairly solid all around I'll go into more... Oh, ooh, thank you. Yeah, I'll go into more certain lines for when I get to more characters, but yeah, I liked it. <clears throat> awesome. So for me, this is really weird because I'm going to assume by the time that this goes up, the dubbies are going to be out. Um, yep. I gave Clifford Chapin my best director of the year award last year for... And so did I also gave one to Brittany Lauda because I got two. Gee, Megan, why does your mom let you have two dubbies? <laughs> um, also, I'd like to take this moment to yell at you, Mario Tanaka, who's watching Boon Go Stray Dog Season 2. Stop being mean to Octagawa! He's a good boy who's awful. No call-out um, post, Megan. That's my PSA. Stop being mean to Octagawa. He's a... <laughs> Shut up and let me call him out for being mean to my son. Um... But no, Clifford Chapin, this to me is, I think Jet really nailed it on the head, which is, yeah, this is a good, uh, a well-directed dub. It's not as well-directed as Gridman, though. Um, but that's a different story, and I think has a different set of skills and, um, a different set of skills and, uh, casting and performance needed, where Gridman did have funny moments. I mean, at points, Caliber was literally a walking meme machine, and at one point, Boar pulled, that's not a knife, this is a knife on somebody. <laughs> Boar is still the best boy in Gridman, you can all fight me. Um, that's not a knife. This is a knife! Um, I think that this is still a well-directed dub. Um, as much as Kristen does get away with being liberal with some lines, uh, I, I'm not gonna kid you in that I literally watched the, sh the first 12 episodes of the show twice in the span of 8 hours. Um, I, I literally watched the first eight last night in Japanese, went to bed because I finally could not stay awake anymore, and immediately woke up and started watching the rest of it in Japanese and switched to English. Um, 
there is some stuff that actually is legitimately in the Crunchyroll show subs. Like the uh, E-L-I-F joke is in the Crunchyroll subs. So, because I know that's something that I think a lot of people would really, um... Would assume that really was like a change. A change. No, it's it's in there. He he literally says, Elf, I'd like to fuck. Uh, in the, the less crude manner of it. Um... The, the one part I think I found that was just, like, a little bit too much for me on the, on the, uh, liberal jokey end is when Rimuru is exploring their genitalia. Like, I, I, I do find the hey diddle diddle I have no fiddle one, like, actually kind of funny out of context. Like, I think that's actually a pretty clever line to say, hey, I don't have a penis. Um... But I think it's, like, it's kind of, like, a weird moment in the show, too. Um, there are just some, there, there's some casting on here that I was like, I don't know if this is gonna work, and they worked out, and then there's some casting that's immensely point on. Um, there's, like, one thing, there's sometimes, I think, like, there are certain references thrown into stuff that I was, I wasn't expecting, like, uh, like, there's a, it's, Rimuru uses Water Blade, it was super effective. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, this is clearly, like, that, I don't think that was in the sub, but I could have been looking away, so I'm not 100% sure, even though I watched the show twice in the span of, like, 8 to 12 hours. Um, I don't know, I feel like a, but, a bored Japanese businessman would probably know what Pokemon is. Yeah, oh no, he does, he knows what video games are, because that's one of the things that he, uh, he catches for, that's a thing, that's like a plot element later in the show, actually. Uh, but one of the things I do want to really commend Kristen and uh, Kristen for is, even if the dub super like does get a little bit more liberal and toes that line, it never feels mean spirited. Um, yeah. Like there are some characters like Press F for Gopta, uh, who kind of get like dumped on a little bit by the show itself. But there's this like some time in screwball comedies where you feel like okay maybe the show is taking it a little bit too far. Uh, and I never, I never felt that from Kristen, so or Cliff or Brittany or Felicia. Uh, but that being said, are we ready to move on to the uh, first set of characters? I am ready to move on to our first set of characters. And Please, Awu, if you agree. Awu, Jet Awu. Good. You, 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 your paycheck. <laughs> your paycheck is in the mail. I pay you in five. I I got Jet. If you woo this entire episode, I will buy you something very nice at Anime Boston. He, we pay you in Scooby snacks. <laughs> no, Andrew. Only you get paid in Scooby snacks. Aww. I give them actual nice things. <laughs> oh, don't on me. Your girlfriend can pay you in nice stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Trust me, you get two more segments before you're allowed to dunk the shit out of me, and you know it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, the first section of characters are the various uh, monsters that either ally themselves to Rimuru or try to ally themselves to Rimuru in one person's case. We have Trini, a... Is it tr it's Trini, right? I can't pronounce it. I think it's Trini. I'm definitely. I'm pretty sure it's Trini. Yeah, 
Tune, a druid, a dryad, yeah, not a druid, a dryad who watches over the forest of Jura, who asks Rumoru to take out the Orc Lord. There is Kajin, Kajin, a dwarf who essentially uh, takes, who Rumoru helps his brothers uh, when he goes to the dwarf city to find artisans, helps him make stores, goes to an elf titty bar with him. Uh, and then watches the dude deck his mother- deck a motherfucker and then he gets exiled and he comes in. And then there is- oh, oh, my sweet summer child. Gabiru, a lizard man who has his head so far up his own ass that he could find the watch that Christopher Walken gave to the kid in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> this watch- was up my father's ass, and now this watch is yours. Your oh. father kept this watch in his ass through the entire prison camp, and now I want to give okay. it to you. So if lizard men okay, lay eggs, I will catch a watch. Okay, I will give. Okay, I will give Andrew's Christopher Walken impression a six out of ten. Rude to get a two. Yay! <laughs> I suck at oh, um, No, but Gabiru also Jojo poses for some stupid fucking reason, too. Gabiru is the most extra right. motherfucker, and I love his stupid, scaly ass. In this entire show. And that's saying a lot. <coughs> I mean, he loses to Gabiru. They try not to die. To Gabiru! It was a very. Yeah, he. It was he a gets, very good fight. He gets fucking Kage Bushin no Jutsu. He gets fucking Kage Bushin no Jutsu by Gabta. That was like Shadow Striker. That was like something Shikamaru or somebody would have done. I'm like, oh, that's dope. <laughs> that time Shikamaru got reincarnated as a goblin. <laughs> Coming to Shonen Jump this be. May. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shigamaru would totally be reincarnated as a goblin that just fucking slapped on his porch all day smoking. <laughs> Alright, so, Trini is played by Jamie Markey. Kajin is played by Bruce DeBose. Don't worry, I did not say the thing because I have misspelled someone's name in our text. <laughs> and Gabiru is played by Austin Tyndall. Jamie Markey will know his characters such as Mari in Love Life Sunshine and Suyu in Noragami and Noragami Aragoto. Uh, Bruce DeBose is Del Dejel Sanis in Attack on Titan Season 3 and Neptune in One Piece. Austin Tindall is characters such as Goro in Darling in the Franks. And my favorite member of Class 2B who did absolutely nothing wrong, Nato Monoma. Two things. A, it is... Nato Monoma did nothing wrong. A, it is Class 1B, not... 2B, thank you Shut very much. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Shut the fuck up! My brain is eggs! Secondly... I... Andrew, do you know how much anime I've watched in the last 24 goddamn hours? All of it was slimy. Secondly... Excuse me, I watched at least three episodes of Kodosuba and one show that we will not name. Okay. But second, I want to bring up... Friends, I love Lizard Karma. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, before my brain literally turns into a diamond because it's just being pressured on so hard. <laughs> Roots of Justice, please, a woo away. 
Alright, so, first and foremost, Nato is best 1B trash boy. Just saying. This is why I'm dating you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Austin Tittle's Gabiru is just the best. Like, I, we were, we've been back and forth about the dub in our, in our Twitter chat, and it, I basically said, yeah, guys, if I wasn't already on this, sold on the show, Gabiru just did it. Like, he has such a narcissistic personality, because he's the only lizard man that actually has a name. And, which, by the way... Like, if you didn't already realize, like, getting an, a monster getting a name is, like, a really big thing in the show, so. But, uh... Oh, I should have I should have mentioned that. Whoops. Ah, <laughs> ah, no worries. But, uh, like, he's just this... He's, like, the snide, like, underling of the bad guy in, like, every delicious way possible, and he just chews the scenery every scene he's in, and it's it's just wonderful. And, uh, Bruce DeBose's Kaijin, like, he, he's got that, like, grandfatherly quality to his voice that's also really cool, and, he, like, it's... It's gruff like you'd expect a dwarf to be. And... Like... It, it has that... I've seen some shit quality to it. Especially when he, uh... When he punches out Brandon Potter in the Elf Titty Bar. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> moment. Like, and especially afterward, when he's, like, bannering back and forth with the king of the, the Dwarven Village... Or the, the Dwarven Kingdom, I'm sorry. Like, and, um... Where Brandon Potter's character just gets smacked down immediately after everybody else leaves, except for him and the king. Oh, it's so good. So good. But, um... Like... Kaijin is... Gets some surprisingly snappy dialogue, and I really, really like it, and... Like, Bruce DeBose gives a very nice, warm quality to the character. Unfortunately, I can't really say much about Jamie Markey's trainee yet, because the character hasn't done much in the course of the show. I like what I've heard so far, though. Like, it's... It's like Kaijin, very, very warm and inviting, and... And it's really pleasant, and... Like, all three did a really great job... And I'm looking forward to hearing more of all of them. Okay, I guess it's my turn. So I'll start with Jamie Markey since I honestly don't really have a whole ton to say there. Uh, I like, uh, Trady hasn't really been in the show very long and that also kind of goes for the subverts because he hasn't done that much there either. Uh, but I do like what I've heard of Jamie Markey so far. Uh, she definitely plays Trady with, you know, this very, like, calming and... Assuming attitude that, you know, kind of fits the whole, like, dryad thing, but at the same time, there's, uh, there's like a little, there's like a bit of a business side to it where you can tell she can get stuff done if she really wants to, uh, which uh, definitely kind of, you know, fits into the whole dynamic of where she fits into the story at the moment. So I thought that was pretty nice. Um, and then as for, uh, Bert, 
as for it was Bruce. It was Bruce. Uh, okay. Yeah, and then as for Bruce as Kaijin, um, I've enjoyed him so far. Like Bruce was saying, there's like this, uh, there's like this kind of grandfatherly quality to his voice that you know, kind of, yeah, that kind of makes it seem like yeah, he's seen a lot of stuff. But he, uh, but he also you know takes a lot of it in stride, which uh, definitely fits with what we kind of learned about him in relation to you know his dynamic with the king and Brandon Potter's character. And I thought that whole bit was, like, very interesting because it was a lot more depth to what could have otherwise been a side character who was just there to advance a plot. But, uh, they really gave him some nice material that I thought that was pretty cool. And then, uh, Alston Tyndall as Gabiru is just, it's, it's perfect. I mean, Alston Tyndall is just... <laughs> Austin Tindall is usually very reliable and heavy roles, and uh, he's, he's having this one up pretty hard. It helps that Gabiru is a pretty fun character, like Roots would say. He kind of, like, he kind of fits into that whole, into that whole unwitting minion of, like, the evil bad guy very well. And, like, and pretty much all his interactions with the character, with the other characters are extremely funny. That's not, like, it also, like, it also plays him, it also plays him well enough where... That where he's over the top and goofy, but there's but you see enough of his serious side that you can see like okay he probably can get stuff, he can get some some stuff done if he wants to, and that kind of plays into how things advance later on. So, I think that was pretty well done, and uh, yeah, all three all three of these are pretty good. I don't have any major complaints I can really think of. Jet. I'm honest to God shocked you did not bring up the fact that one of his men sounds just like Agumon. I, Damn it, I was gonna do it, you ass! Oh, I, 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 I guess I wasn't paying that much attention. I'm shocked you didn't catch that! I knew like, there was one it, that it, sounded it, It's familiar. like very obvious! <laughs> yeah, like... One okay, of them legitimately I, does sound like Yes Man Agumon. <laughs> okay, 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 I'm gonna have to pay more attention to that. <laughs> look, look up the clip or something on YouTube when he's meeting them, just because I think you would appreciate that. I remember having a conversation with Megan where it's like, I feel like Clifford would be the type of person to make a Digimon reference, and then she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Of course he would. Quiver Cape and could like out Digimon nerd all of us combined and it's kind of terrifying and I'm impressed. Mm. Like, didn't he live tweet his playthrough of Cyber Sleuth? Or was that I, a different voice actor I'm thinking if of? If I'm also correct, Quiver Chapin also likes the best season of Digimon Digimon Frontier, don't at me. I have no I have no pony in this race, so I'm just gonna move on and say my thoughts on these characters. Uh also be Digimon's the best Isekai story, don't at me. Damn, okay, you're right. Uh, okay, well, uh, okay. Why would you say something so controversial and yet so brave? Uh, <laughs> you know what? Well played, well played. Thank you, Eric Andre. All right, uh, so yeah. Holy shit, I didn't know Eric Andre was in this dub. Anyways, uh, Jamie as trainee. Uh, she sounds cool and authoritative, very sweet, very calm, but probably has some sort of play up her sleeve. Because she just sort of shows up in the middle of the table and is like, Hey, yo, uh, kill some orcs for me. Kate, thanks. Bye. So she sounds good, but I don't know enough about her yet. But I think Jamie does a good job. Bruce has this really interesting tone of voice to him. I haven't heard much of him, but he sounds like... The, he sounds like a grandpa who is much more jacked 
than you would expect him to be at an age. Like, one of the ones who's, like, 70-something but has, like, some nice arm guns on him. You know, that kind of grandpa. The ones who's just really in shape. And he's just very chill. And he, he you can tell he's a hard worker. Like, he's been working this business for a lot of years. But he's fun. And he's loyal. And he's a hard worker. And there's just this tone. If There's this gruffness but earnestness in his voice. The way he portrays his character. And I really, really did like that scene where he's having that exchange with the king. Where it's like, I do not turn on my somebody who i have sworn my loyalty to that is not the kind of person i am and just that level of respect and earnesty when he's portraying somebody is really interesting and compelling about his character and i think bruce does a solid job with that uh gabby rue is i don't even fucking put this austin tyndall is a beautiful scaly idiot boy who means well and all of his men love him and he really does mean well. He's just a little ignorant and stupid. And that kind of makes him easy to manipulate from the antagonist side. But that scene where he's fighting with... Okay, I say fighting very, very loosely. Where he has a scuffle with one Gobta. I love how he's intimidated. He's having a stare down with Ranga. And he's not even menaced by it. He's just like, oh... You're a very strong steed. Why are you serving serving that schmuck? I will fight for your honors. And then he's like, you know what? Here, Gopta. Okay. You fight Gopta. And you beat Gopta, I serve you. And he's like, okay. This is going to be easy. And then he gets knocked the hell out. He talks shit and he gets hit. But he's so fucking extra. And he doubts himself. And then two minutes later, he's like, wait a second. I'm actually perfect. What am I talking about? And just Tyndall is just chewing the scenery every time he's playing this Shakespearean level idiot boy who means well. It's not even that he's a bad person. He means well. He's just really stupid. But anytime he talks, it is a delight. And goddammit, Austin is so much fun. Alright, I'm done. So what you're trying to say here is Gubby Roo means well and he means well. Oh, I just got that. He means. I had liquid in my mouth. <laughs> he means well. I had and liquids he in means my mouth. Well, clap, clap, clap. I'm Maybe here all night, folks. Uh, on that line, wow. I'm about to make a reference that like five people are gonna get because they read the JoJo's manga. Wow, I didn't know Diego Brando was going to show up in the anime so soon. God damn it. God fuck! <laughs> I, I like I actually don't I actually don't get that reference because I haven't read that far in JoJo. Just just take our word for it and say it's accurate. <laughs> Jet, I want you to I want you to just Google scary dinosaurs, and you'll understand the stupid joke I just made. Scary monsters. Whatever, close enough. No, that's that's gonna be the Viz localization. Um, scary so dinosaurs. Scary dinosaurs! I too love it. I too love the part of the manga where we horse race with against the government. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so Jamie Markey as uh, Chune is it's it's not what I think a lot of people typically expect from Jamie Markey, unless I unless you've actually watched like certain shows where she gets to be softer spoken, um, 
a little bit of like things like World End. Uh, but I actually did specifically reference uh, Suyu from Noragami because she herself is actually a tree spirit and not a Shinki. And I know that because I read the manga. Uh, I think it's in the end. I think it might be in the second season of the anime, but... Um, so this is the second time she's technically played her dryad. But I think she was just fine. Um, I want to see where that performance goes because uh, she'll show up a little bit more in the second half. Uh, Bruce DeBose as Kaijin. For some reason, I kept feeling like he had a slight New York accent to his character. And it's not something that I'm 100% against because he is from a city and not in the country. And I just felt like it was there. And I'm like, oh, cool. New York dwarves. Awesome. But I really, I love the description of him as grandpa with guns. <laughs> and I really, I think one of my other favorite moments in the show is when the great sage is like, this is 7% alcohol content. Yeah, I don't need to know that. Whap! <laughs> and he just drunk, he just drunk sucker punches a motherfucker in the face. But I also really liked his uh, his talks with Rimuru in the um, the dungeon where he is very much a person. He has the type of tone of voice in a person that sounds like, "Hey, I'm trying to see the best in people, and I'm trying to help people out, uh, and I accept the fate." And I thought actually like. I almost kind of teared up in the stuff with uh, him, the king, and the guy who betrayed him. Like, that shit got me pretty hard, too. But, oh, good god almighty, Austin Tyndall. Um, every single word out of Austin Tyndall's mouth is Gaviru is utter perfection. He is so dumb. And so... Like, I like the fact that Gaviru is so dumb that his own men convince him to do a coup d'etat and not himself. <laughs> Because he's like, I am pretty smart. It's like, yeah, no, you're not, honey. Just, just, no. Just, just, just ride your... Lizards riding lizards is really strange, by the way. <laughs> um, it, it's like that one scene from The Amazing World of Gumball where Nicole and Gumball walk by real-life cats <laughs> at a pet a pet shop, and they're just like, just don't Stop. think about it. And they're like, <laughs> think about it. <laughs> the Mirac the wonder Gumball has probably one of my favorite lines in any children's show of all time, which is uh my soul wasn't going up. <laughs> um, it's like my favorite thing in Gumball. Uh no, but I think Gabiru uh Austin Tyndall is just fucking great as Gabiru. And I think the thing that sells me about it too is that he's so sure of his stupid self that it really works and that he just I think that's like half the point of characters who are charismatic is that if they are dumb and charismatic, they really need to sell the charisma more than the dumb aspect to me. Because obviously his men follow him and use their shields as lights for him to JoJo pose against. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, where's the light coming from? And then I looked in the scene and I'm like, oh my God, it's his own men. Uh, like he's doing no, something I think, uh, right Jamie in that they like him and they follow him. Like, just, god, god damn it to Austin. So, you go, Wizard Karma. You go. You do you, sa sashay away. Uh, so with that being said, are we good to move on? Please, Abu, if you are okay with this. Ow! <laughs> Jet. Okay, also, one- <laughs> Good. <laughs> Jet's like, 
Also, one other thing I'd like to point out before we move on, and I forgot it. The part where Gabiru gets kicked in the head by Gobta and has to go down in the most overly dramatic way possible. Props to both the Seiyu for Gobta, uh, for Gabiru, and Austin Tyndall for holding out that alonged scream. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Because he's just like, he's just like, ah, ah. And, it, it's, and like, when you actually watch it in real time, he like immediately flops over. But good comedic timing on there to get him to hold it out. So, we go from dryads, lizard men, and dwarves to <laughs> the one race of things that anime that if you're from America, you never thought you'd find sexy, but Japan decides to make them hot anyway. Let's talk about the ogres. Let's <laughs> Let's get out of the swamp. We got two sets of ogres, so And in the morning Two for the price of one. And in the morning, and in the morning, everybody but Xion's making waffles. Um, <laughs> so, we have um, Kurobe, who is a giant blacksmith one. Uh, Hakuro, who is essentially like the old advisor slash teaches them all how to sword fight. And Xion, who is... <laughs> Rimuru's self-appointed secretary and bodyguard who almost makes us pay, who almost kills Gobta with her cooking. Which leads to, I think, like, the single legitimate funniest scene in the entire show so far. Also, if you want to, where... if you want to remember their designs, uh, Kurabe is the brown one, uh, Hakuro is the white one. Shion's purple. And Shion is the hot one. Oh my god. Excuse me. Okay. Let's go with this. Andrew would very much like to be Rimuru every time he is held by Xion. Dude, she's so fucking Also, awesome. Lilac. Hey, Steph, I have a cosplay idea for you. <laughs> oh, fuck. It just hit me. She's purple. Oh, no. That was not... Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I think I just gave Andrew a boner on an episode. Oh, no. Okay, look. The orc, the orc, the ogres are very attractive, and let's please talk about who voices them. This is going to be an interesting discussion. <laughs> I'm gonna totally tell your girlfriend in the, after this. All right, playing Kurobe is Eric Vale. Playing Hakuro is Charlie Campbell, and playing Xion is Michelle Rojas. Eric Vale, you will know as characters such as Trunks in a little franchise called Dragon Ball Z and Nishiki Nishio in Tokyo Ghoul. Charlie Campbell, you'll know his characters such as Gran Torino in a little series called My Hero Academia, and Artorius in Restaurant to Another World. Michelle Rojas, you'll know as Kanan Matsura in a little series called Love Live Sunshine, and Aiha in Noragami Arigoto. Uh, so Roots and Jet take this on while Andrew tries to get rid of his boner. <laughs> really? You know it's gonna come Guys? tenfold next round, by the way, just FYI. Shit. Anyway, uh, Roots, go ahead. Alright, um... Uh, not a lot to say about Eric Vale's Kurobe yet, because, you know, like Jamie Markey, his character hasn't really done a lot in the show yet. But I did really like the scene with him and, um, and Kaijin in the, uh, in the Smith shop. And where they're, where they're just, like, trading notes and nerding out, and it was just, it was just beautiful. I, I really liked it. Uh, Charlie Campbell's Hakuro. Like, I, I really... Kind of in... 
both uh, similar and contrasting to My Hero Academia. Like, I love how stern he is. And, uh, how loyal he is to a character we're gonna be getting to in the next group. Where he's basically, like, the instructor and advisor to him, and, like, he's, he sort of has that wisdom to his voice, and it's, it's really good. And, um, Michelle Rojas is, uh, Shinon. Like, I, I really like the, the scenes where, like, she's... Like in open conflict with another character that we'll be getting to in the next group over Rimuru, and also the uh, also when she realizes she's a bad cook, and she gets mad at her everyone for calling her out for being a bad cook. Like that was that was really genuinely funny, and like all three of these actors were really good in their roles. I really hope Kurobe gets to do more because I want to hear him ner Eric Bale nerding out more. Um, okay. As for me, I will start with Eric Bale as Kurobe because I also don't have a whole ton to say. I mean, I was a little surprised to see Eric Bale put here, but uh, I mean, but you know, it, I mean, it's nice to see him do um, have acquired a role every now and then, and. Um, isn't pleasant to listen to, though I do hope Kurobe does gets a little bit more to do later on. Uh, me, Joe, Rojas, and Shion has been a lot of has been a lot of fun so far. I'm not like super, I'm not as familiar with Michelle Rojas as you guys are, but I've definitely enjoyed what I've heard of her and other things. And um, she she seems like a pretty good fit here. She definitely gets Shion's attitude across very well. Especially with the whole transformation into becoming Rimuru's glorified secretary. <laughs> I want to see her fight because in the opening she has like this giant ass motherfucking sword. She does get to fight a little bit in some of the later episodes, so that will be fulfilled. Nice. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, yeah, so I definitely like the whole haughty attitude she gets across, and I especially liked her delivery during the scene where we find that she on can't cook. And it's like, it's like, really something that they managed to make a scene as cliche as that actually funny, so kudos to the show for that. And, uh, look at, and lastly, uh, Charlie Camp, uh, Charlie Campbell as... Oh god, what was his Hag name again? Hagaro. <laughs> Just call them. Hagaro! Honestly, if you don't know their names, call them by their The colors. White Ranger! Okay, okay. White Ranger! Okay, <laughs> okay, White, okay, White Ranger. I'm sorry, it's like. I'm sorry, it's like 9. It's like almost 9.30. It's been a long day. <laughs> um, anyway, I. Anyway, uh, I very much enjoy what I've heard of Charlie Campbell so far. I generally enjoy hearing him in things. It's interesting to see him playing another, like, mentor esque character. Uh, I say, uh, while this one's not quite as, well, he's not quite as grumpy as Gran Torino, he, uh, he definitely gives off, he definitely gives off a very similar vibe, and I really like the way Charlie's playing him. As I, as I, when, how well he switches between, you know, being, like, the wise old mentor, and also, you know, getting to be a little, like, snarky when he needs to be, and I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but, uh, all in all, I think all three of these performances are pretty solid. Hmm. Jet, your time will come in next segment to make fun of me, so... Alright. 
so, uh, starting from, uh, Kurabe, there's not as much to say about Eric Vale, and I actually was not aware this was Eric Vale until, because he mostly just kind of grunts before he gets his name, and then when he does get his name, he's just this kind of big, friendly, beefy guy, and Eric Vale is very nice and casual and friendly. And also, uh, bro TP slash OTP with Kurabe and Kaiji, depending which way you roll, Either one is very acceptable. Uh, I like the idea that he's just sort of like this big, friendly blacksmith fellow who's just very into his craft. Uh, Hakuro, uh, Charlie Campbell is a... I like the... I like the distinctness. Like, with the ogres especially, you get to hear how different they sound from before they are named and after they are named. Charlie Campbell sounds like a lot more, like, gruff and older sounding when he is... When he is an ogre, and then when he evolves into a... Was it Kinja? Kijin. Kijin. When he evolves into a yeah, Kijin, Kijin. Uh, he sounds a little more youthful and a little more, like, spry. And he sounds much more like a caring mentor figure. And I think sort of like a jaded butler, as he did when he was in his prior state. And you hear the distinctness in the tone of voice, and I think that is really interesting. I think Charlie does a good job. I really like the training section when he's training a bunch of these smaller goblins with uh, wooden swords. I think that's a cool scene. And he's also a badass when he faces uh, Rimuru and cuts the arm off. You could tell he's a battle-hardened veteran and knows his way around uh, sword. And... Let's just get the obvious out of the way. Uh, Shinon is hot. Like, I love her design. I love both the uh, ogre design. I love both the Kijin design. Uh, she is really cool. I can't wait for her to get that fucking suit because the suit is... Mm, that's good shit. Look, she's hot. Okay. On to Michelle Rojas. Michelle Rojas does a very good job sounding that gruff punk... Uh, aesthetic when she is the baddest ogre and a lot more of a down-to-earth uh, sweet presentation like she means very well when she's her secretary and you hear the happiness when she's trying to cook and like do well to help out Rimuru but you also see when she gets angry and pissy and jealous and you hear that tone in her voice and Michelle sounds so funny and so natural when she's getting upset but it's just a delight this character is a lot of fun and i want to hear uh shinon do more and kick some ass and it'll be great and yes shinon's hot what do you want from me <laughs> <laughs> the ogres are hot in this show fucking deal with it no i sent i sent i sent a really bad pun to our group chat on twitter um no so all right where was i eric vale uh, I was actually really surprised that Eric Vale was the giant, the giant one with the hammer. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, so no, but he's, he's pretty good. I don't have a lot to say about him because unfortunately he doesn't talk too much. Um, he, like everybody else said, he kind of grunts and then he, he's got like kind of a chiller, gruffer, like kind of slightly more gruff Eric Vale voice. Um, Hakuro, Terry Campbell... I really like Hakuro's voice. I do like that he and another uh, gentleman who play other versions of their characters who then suddenly get really hot by old men standard, I guess, if you're into 
silver foxes. If you're into um, gilfs. <laughs> dilfs. Gadilfs. Gadilfs. <laughs> Literally, like, every ogre is a different fetish, and you'd be happy. I mean, Kurobe got the bara. Look, all six of them are pretty Kakuro. All six of them are pretty horny when you think about it. Boo! I apologize for nothing! Sit down, Andrew. <laughs> go, go to your room and think about what you did. I think about what I do all the time, and I don't regret a single thing. I want an essay on my desk Monday morning. It's just going to be a very crude stick figure drawing of, like, Sheenon with big titties. <laughs> You're laughing really hard. But I was browsing Reddit before bed last night. And there was a thread on Today I Fucked Up about how a kid started drawing with big titty anime girls. <laughs> how I drew a big titty anime girl in his, like, journal about, like, I forgot what he was reading, but he drew it in his journal because his brain was, like, offline because he was really tired. And it happened to be the one day that he had to switch the journal with somebody. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and his teacher, like, so his classmates all kind of got a laugh. And his teacher said, well, at least he's, ex let me, I have to find this. I have to find this now. It's so good. Um... Adam, what is this? Bukaki? I'm going, what is this I'm going to read this. I'm gonna read this, and it's today I fucked up by drawing hentai in class. So we're reading this comic book, Fun Home, by Allison Bechtel for 11th grade class, and as a warm-up activity, we had to draw a comic strip. Being the weeb that I am, and having having had only like five hours of sleep in the previous night, my brain switched to autopilot mode, and I drew a big titty anime girl with a low-cut top and her nipples poking through the fabric on the third panel, which spanned across the entire page. <laughs> Usually this would have been fine because these warm-up activities have been daily and we're just supposed to be in a personal journal that you keep to yourself. But now, uh, apparently today we had to share it with the whole fucking class. So the teacher ordered us to pass around the journal to the left and I didn't realize the fiesta that was about to be unleashed until it was too late. Before I could react, the cute girl sitting next to me started laughing hysterically and gave me a big look, a weird look. My face grew beat red in an instant. And then I said, for some goddamn reason, I'm just drawing what comes to mind. <laughs> At this point, the teacher gets intrigued by her giggling. He comes to see the comic, and lo and behold, my wife who in all her glory. <laughs> she was silent for a moment. At least he's being honest and exploring his sexuality. And the whole class burst into laughter, and, and no one could do anything productive for the rest of the class. Oh, no. <laughs> that is what Andrew would do if he drew a big-tittied anime girl. <laughs> That's if I had any artistic talent. Anyway, this kid didn't. I've seen the image. Anyways, <laughs> so each orc is fetish. Each dwarf is specific. It's genetically engineered to your strike zone. Um, oh, God. And Shion is for people like Andrew who want girls to step on them. And Michelle Rojas plays her really well. I think I, I'm kind of sad you didn't get to hear Shion talk more when she is like the gruff ogre. Because I really do like the deepness that is in another character's voice and then how they shifted it into their more, like, kind of Bishonen voice. And she kind of had the grunts and growls and then immediately Shion goes into straight-up waifu voice. And I think Michelle's really good 
at kind of doing that. And it has some of her still, like, what I know Michelle Rojas doing. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I can hear a little itty bit of Kanon in there. Um, but I genuinely enjoyed them. And now it is time for me to dig my own fucking grave. Also, before before we move on, I just want to say I, I love the... F I actually am surprised I like the cooking scene as much as I did because... Okay, yeah, no, the cooking scene fucking killed me. Like... My immediate thought was like, "Oh God, are we gonna do the shitty cooking egg trope?" And, and the show after, even like he br she brings the plate out and Rimuru just screams, "Why trope? Why?" And Why? I've never identified with something so hard in my life. <laughs> that whole scene is really great because it's just making fun of scenes like that, too. Because I think my other favorite thing that happens is the next three, uh, some of the next three characters we talk about are in there. So it's time for me to slowly dig my own grave with the characters uh, who uh, I think Rimuru describes as the cute one, hottie number one, hot guy number one, and hot guy number two. Oh yeah! Rimuru does call it hot guy one and two. <laughs> hot guy number two is Soe, a uh, ogre basically who's a fucking ninja, who is the dark and brooding type, who can do things like make body doubles and goes off and kind of acts like a spy for Rimuru. Shun- is it- Sh is it Shura or Shuna? I think it's Shuna. Okay, Shuna! The ogre princess and the younger sister of the ogre prince, who is adorable, small, and weaves and makes clothing for them, and also fights Shion for the ability to snuggle Rimuru, because, frankly, who the fuck wouldn't? And then there's- <laughs> Finish the sentence, Megan. <laughs> it's okay. Finish the sentence, Megan. It's okay, you can do it. <laughs> and then there's the hot one, Betty Maru, who I call him like a fucking tree. He's not just hot, <laughs> Megan. He's fucking He's flaming. flaming. <laughs> he has firepower. He's really buff. And he's he goes from being hefty to Bishonen hefty. And he sparkles when he asks to kill things. <laughs> Megan, I want uh, you okay, to know um, my sister from another mister, we are both ogre sexual. High five. If Kakarya High five. Here li Here lies Megan. She was so young, so full of life. I am full of salt and despair and nothing else, and you know that. Here lies right. Megan and Andrew. It's all ogre now. <laughs> all right, Megan. Are you serious? Yes. God damn it! <laughs> Be Betty Maru, as he spoons you, whispers your <laughs> ear and says, This is my swap now. <laughs> No! Why would you do that? What is wrong with you? The opening was there. I had to take it. I had to take the shot. Pull the trigger, Picklet! Penny Oh, God, Jesus Christ. Alright, let's I'm... dig ourselves out of this swampy hole. <laughs> if I, I thought Kakarillo did- wait, I think Kakarillo wake something in me, Jesus lord. I love you, honey. 
I can't believe my own boyfriend pulled the trigger. Oh, let, let's be real. It's it's pretty easy to make fun of. <sighs> I love you too, Megan. Fucking. Oh, <laughs> I'm like crying. My face is so red. <coughs> so your face is just like Benny. <coughs> Shut your fucking mouth. Okay. All right. I gotta. I gotta talk about the actors. I gotta bring it down. Gotta bring it down. Soe is played by Ian Sinclair. <laughs> Shuna is played by T. Fowler. <laughs> Betty Mar is played by Ricardo. <laughs> you fuckers broke me. Take a set, take a breath before we continue. <laughs> oh god, it's dumped on so many people's relationships in the last month. I earned this. Yes, you did. I earned yeah. this. Oh god. I'm so sorry, everybody who has to listen to this episode. <laughs> All right. You good? Yeah. Ian Sinclair, you'll know his character, such as Yangwen Lee in Legend of the Galactic Heroes Dinue Tesa and Sugi the immortal Sugimoto in Golden Kamui. Tia Ballard, you'll know his characters such as Megami and Shiki and Shni and Aka 13 Territory Inspections Department. Enrica Farhada, you will know his characters such as Leon Luis in Garo the Animation and Kotaro in Zombieland Saga. Excuse me while I go get something to drink. Go ahead, boyfriend. Yeah, and so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. 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 I'm good now. I'm good. Uh, Ian Sinclair is so a, like, I'm, I'm really surprised he got to do the, uh, the Samurai Caliber thing, like, twice. Because it, like, similar character archetype, too. And, like, I really like, I really like this style of performance for, for Gridman, and this is definitely the case here. Like, Soei's kind of a cold calculating like but generally a good guy and like I, I really like that Ian Sinclair can sort of play the emotionally detached character really really well and it, it's great not a, there's unfortunately not a lot I can say other than that because like he gets to do quite a bit but it's just in the background so I hope we get to see a lot more of him later on the show, though. He did a real great job. Uh, Tia Bella Shuna. Kind of a similar deal, except she gets a little bit more to say. I really like the banter between her and, um, and Shinon regarding, uh, Rimuru. Like, that was... Like, I... I laughed my ass off during the scene where they were fighting over him, and it was just... It was good. And she... Tia Ballard's Shuna is, is sweet, it's bubbly, and... It's real good. And, um... 
I really like the arc that the show is giving uh, Benny Maru and the performance of Rico Fajardo. Like, he's... He's sort of brought to a very low point watching his entire people be massacred and seeking revenge and being so desperate he's willing to seek out a name from just a lowly slime and just how grateful he is for all the opportunities he's gotten after that is just like I really like that arc he's he's stern but he's also he also has a warmness to him and it's really nice all three actors did a really good job and thumbs up okay uh, by so the I way i'm also... ba i lived bitch <laughs> i'm glad <laughs> uh do i want to know what that's about no i'm no i'm saying as in like i'm not coughing and dying anymore <laughs> Ah, that's good. Okay, um, so, uh, starting off with Ian Sinclair, since I also don't really have a whole ton to say about Zoe, uh, I do like, I do like that what Reese was about to say is that, you know, there was, like, a pretty notable distinction between him, between his ogre self and when he turns into a Kijin, where, like, where, you know, his Kijin self is a little less gruff, you know, sounds a little prettier. And, so, and I thought that was pretty neat. I like. I wish I had a bit more to say, but like Zoe doesn't speak much, honestly, even in the sub version. Okay, well, no, actually, he does get to speak a little bit more, like the comic episodes. But um, and I'm interested in seeing what Ian does there. But uh, for right now, it sounds pretty cool, and I'm looking forward to uh, him getting more screen time. Uh, okay, and then as for Tia. Um, I didn't find the vocal distinction between her ogre self and her Kijin self quite as distinct as the other two, but I thought it, uh, but I thought it worked pretty well, and, you know, I generally enjoy hearing T and things, so I really like what she brought to the table here. I definitely liked a lot of her interactions with Xion, and especially that whole bit where they're fighting over Rimuru. And, uh, generally, like, and generally just the contrast between, like, her Kijin self and the ogre self, where... Where she was a little bit more, where she was a little more shy and reserved as an ogre, but as a Kijin, she's a little bit more assertive. I thought that was pretty interesting. And then, um, and then Riko as Benny Maru was very interesting for me because when I first heard him, I wasn't totally sure if it was Riko, if it was Riko because of how gruff it was. Like, like I could kind of tell, but it was definitely very, a very distinct voice that I was not used to from him. So I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, but when he went Kijin, it definitely sounded a lot more like what I would expect from Rico in terms of, like, the pretty boy characters he played. And, um, so far he's had to get pretty well. I like Benny Barter as a character. Uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, him having to be the whole leader of the Ogre tribe and the, let's say, any conflict over what he has to do for his people regarding Rimuru and having to ally himself with him, and I thought that whole character arc was pretty interesting, and Rico handled that very well. And, though they add, uh, Benny Maru gets a bit more to do in some of the coming episodes, and, uh, and he gets, like, a really good one-liner in the most recent episode of the simulcast, so I'm looking forward to hearing Rico deliver on that with the time guns, and, and, uh, yeah, once again, all three of these performances are pretty good, I don't have anything I can, like, really complain about. 
Alright, nice. Uh, okay, first things first. Um, Ian Sinclair as cool stoic ninja man. He doesn't do that much, but when he does get to show and strut his stuff, it is a lot of fun. And he definitely sounds really cool and menacing, like, especially when he's talking with the King of the Lizard Men, and that one dude is, like, dissing on Rimuru, and he's got the wire straight to his neck, where it's like, you talk shit one more time, motherfucker. Just try and watch me. It's like, ooh, you don't, you don't, you're not somebody to be trifled with. That's cool. I like that. And Ian does a good job sounding like this stoic, cool ninja badass. And I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, as for Shuna, uh, I'm about to ruin this for some of y'all. Um, I quite love Moe Zero Two. Fuck you, asshole! <laughs> I did not bring this up, but my immediate thought was when I saw the horns and the pink hair and like the eyeliner and that it was Tia Ballard. Anyway. I'm like, you know what? It's kind of just Moe Zero Two, and I'm kind of here for that. So I just thought it was a funny comparison. No, no! I have finally gotten that out of my head, you monster! <laughs> no, no, I have to kiss the death stuck back in my head again! <laughs> okay, but anyways, now that I have brought immense pain to uh, Megan again, uh, Tia sounds very sweet and charming, and I love the interactions between her and Shinon when it comes to fighting over snuggling Rimuru, and she does a good job. She's adorable, she's earnest, and she's sweet, and I love the her interacting with her brother and her other members of the clan, and I think it's really cool. Uh, as for Rico Fajardo, uh, I love, like, the most noticeable uh, distinction between his ogre voice and his uh, Keijin voice, because his ogre voice is much gruffer, angrier, much more volatile, while uh, Kijin is much more calm, subdued, almost like matured in a princely sense. Honestly, when I think about it a little bit more, the Ogre Royal Family reminds me a lot of Hoshido from Fire Emblem Fates. And I think that's kind of interesting to me. That I love, I'm a Hoshido. Are you a Hoshida boo? I'm kind of a Hoshida boo. I just think it's really funny <laughs> that it's like, this kind of reminds me of the Fire Emblem Royal family and i think that's really interesting but rico does a great job he sounds like a character who like his arrogant pride and rage over like and he has to grow and learn a lesson where it's like he... so wait does this make rico for does this make benny mara or ryoma fucking maybe <laughs> he's led like a lobster just like ryoma fuck you're right but yeah no it's just i love this character and that he is somebody who's growing as, like, an arrogant young prince to a true leader and thinking in regards to how do I serve to get what I want to, how do I think about what the others want and what's best for my family and working together and with others and making friends. And I think that's one of the things I like about Rimuru in general is that it's about improving and making others better and learning and making things a better place. And it's really interesting to see how that affects Rico's character. And I really want to see more of how he tackles that. And I think it's really interesting. I'd like to start out my segment with that. My very adorable, familiar Shinya is in my hands. 
and she wants she very much does not want to be in my arms so there she goes uh it's funny that you i actually i'll talk about it when i talk about benny maru myself and the not thirsty way but other than the fact that holy shit benny maru is really fucking hot on both forms uh so let's start out with hot guy number two <laughs> hot guy number two so a I really like that they they went for Ian Sinclair for this role, where I feel like in many other anime, I think that you would have switched Ian and Eric Vale around. Like, Ian, Ian, like... And it's also really weird, because I also feel like Soe is a little bit more in the range of uh, Ian Sinclair's performance of um, the second... I'm sorry, the third best boy in Gridman, Caliber. Because Auntie's number two. Um, <laughs> I I generally enjoyed it. Uh, Tia Ballard as Shuna is something I really expected of Tia Ballard. Where she plays like cute younger girl characters. And she's got the pep. Uh, I like that you can tell there's a difference in the girliness that Shuna has compared to the girliness of Shion. Um, I really think that she gets it across well. And that she is a bit more of the voice of reason among the ogres. Uh, next to Hakuro. Uh, but, man, Rico Fajardo knocks it out of the park as Benny Maru. I think that he as a character, it's it's really good that he also sounds a lot more grounded in both of his his pre-named and named personas than Gabiru. Because I think that, as Andrew was discussing it, Benny Maru is Gabiru's foil. Where Gabiru is very vain and selfish and took the name to grab power and thinks that he's he's better and he's ready to rule. Uh, Benimaru is... He doesn't take the name because they both get offered names by the same demon lord. And Benimaru says no to them. And then he eventually meets Rimuru and gets the names for him and his clan. Um, I absolutely 100% actually more adore giant buff Benimaru's voice. I'm with Jet where I could not believe that was Rico Fajardo for a little bit. Like, I don't think I've ever heard Rico Fajardo sound that gruff in a performance. I think that Benny Maru's Bishonen side is a lot more akin to characters such as, um... Oh, God. Definitely Leon. And his character in, um, Seraph of the End, whose name is escaping me right now. Uh, he tried it, man. Yeah, Trident guy. I just know it's the guy with the Trident. If you've never seen Sarah, if you've seen Sarah for the end, and your name is escaping him, like me. Also, be Farid does not have a medical license. Hmm. Um. But I, I gen Rico's probably up there as one of my my favorite performances in the show. I thought he is absolutely fantastic. Are we ready to move on though? I'm ready to move on to. A, Let's get out of this fucking swamp. I'm ready to move on to a race that has been <laughs> abused, given scandalous propaganda in many recent anime as of late. Their good name besmirched <laughs> and dragged through the mud. This cruel propaganda against them that I'm glad Wrong. to see the true representation of a much underrepresented, underrespected group in fiction, the Goblins. Oh, I thought we were doing the human travelers first. <laughs> oh, wait, were we? <laughs> yes. Oh, fuck. I fucked that up. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the humans at the end of that. It would have been fucking great. Oh, I fucked that up. I thought we were doing the goblins next. Damn it. That would have been perfect. 
<laughs> the human, uh, but no, we're gonna talk about three human travelers who come to the goblin village before the ogres do. They do not stay around. Uh, they are essentially three humans sent out by the guild to investigate what the fuck's going on in the forest of Jura because, hey, the giant dragon that's basically been keeping all the monsters kind of settled is just gone and it's a power vacuum. And the last time I watched a show with the power vacuum after a giant deity and a large cosmic system got taken out, it ended great, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, if anybody actually gets what that's a reference to. Um... So no, we're going to talk about the three human travelers that come to the village and kind of are a big essential part of the arc with the character Shizu. Their names are Caval, Eren, and Guido. Caval is kind of, is the leader of the group. He's the kind of blonde, shaggy looking guy. Guido is the kind of bigger dude who's uh, there with a dagger. And Eren is actually a girl this time. And not <laughs> trying to kill the Titans. And is actually a good character. <laughs> Shots fired. I I I don't think I'm gonna find much to say here. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Sadly, nobody's getting punched by Bernapril in the show. Man, <laughs> I I feel like <laughs> while the show does a great job endearing me to its lovable monster crew, these three in my mind are the most relatable because in one moment. They go through so much work, and then their boss is just like, I'm giving you three days off, and then I want you to do this extra hard job. And it leads me after. to, like, one of my favorite, perf like, one of my other, like, small, like, maybe one of my other, like, top performances in the show, actually. So, playing Caval, we have uh, Justin Cook. Playing Aaron, we have Natalie Hoover. And playing Guido, we have Brad Hawkins. Justin Cook, you will know his character, such as. Please tell me I put the right name down for his first name. Ichiro Kirishima? Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. Ichiro Kirishima in My Hero Academia and Yusuke Yonameshi in Yu Yu Hakusho. Natalie Hubel, you'll know his characters such as Lily in Recovery of an MMO Junkie and Nana Sakurai in Prince of Stride. <laughs> Gotta bite my tongue for that. And Brad Hawkins, you'll know as Kohiko in Hakuhoshi Enki <laughs> and Tiki Miki in De Gray Man. Hakuhoshi Enchi, a show that everybody loved and is not getting pushed out the door. <laughs> so, look, somebody has to remember it happened. Anyways, moving on. Roots of Justice, take the floor. Awoo. <laughs> Alright, so one thing I love before I go into individual performances is, like, one of my favorite shticks of the entire show is just these three characters cannot decide on who in their group is the leader constantly and like the the arguments between the three over who is like it's it's great but um i gotta say uh like one of my favorites of the three is natalie hoover's aaron mainly because of the huge rant she gets after like immediately after their guild master basically tells him hey you got three. You got three days off. Then you got to go and do the thing I asked you to do all over again somewhere else. Like, where she gets to just yell about, oh, three days off. Why don't you, why don't you take those three, three days and shove it? You know that kind of thing. Like, I don't usually get to hear like Natalie Hoover play aggravated 
and that like it was that was just like a really satisfying thing to hear and um like i really and i also really like uh justin cook's kind of like laid back nonchalant he's technically the leader kind of persona and um like he gets a lot of snappy quippy comebacks and like it's it's just beautiful and like unfortunately Guido doesn't get to talk all that much but like one thing of note is like right as they're about to leave when he gets his suit of armor and he's just like I'm gonna leave this as an heirloom like that like that was just great all, all three of them were really good and I really hope they get to come back later on in the show because like they're they're just wonderful mm -hmm. and you can go jet okay um that's okay I'm like blacking out of character names because again I'm kind of tired so okay it's uh Aaron is the blonde girl uh Guido is the big boy and Caval is the snarky leader Okay, um, so I will start with Guido because, like, I don't have, uh, like, I don't really have too many thoughts on that one. I thought that performance sounded, I thought that, uh, I thought that performance sounded fine. It, it did what it needed to. It just, like, it didn't leave that big of an impression on me for whatever reason. Um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, Justin, uh, Justin Cook as Caval was, uh, pretty interesting. It's like, eh, mostly because I feel like I don't hear Justin Cook that much in Simuldubs these days, so it was, it was pretty, it was pretty nice to see him in this role. I thought, I thought, I thought he did a pretty good job of making him all sound distinct, and like, and I thought some, I thought some of his lines were pretty funny, especially his interactions with the other two and Chizu, and uh, I thought that was pretty well done. Um, lastly for, lastly for Aaron, again, I'm blanking who was playing Aaron again. Uh, Natalie. Okay, uh, as I am, uh, Natalie Hoover for Aaron, I, I definitely liked her the most out of these three, mostly because uh, so I feel like Aaron got the most to do in regard to her interactions with the other characters. Uh, she got a lot of, uh, she got a lot of good banter with the other two, and, like, and she definitely had the, like, best dynamic with Shizu, uh, because, you know, she was the one who got Shizu into their whole little group to begin with. And I and I really like that whole little bit towards uh, towards like the end of their uh, journey together, where she says that she's kind of looked up to Shizu as a sister. I thought that was pretty sweet. I mean, I feel like that would have like maybe had a little bit more impact if that like if that whole bit had lasted a little longer than it actually did. Uh, because like while I don't know too much about the white novels, apparently they have been traveling together for like a few. At least a few weeks, apparently, but in the anime, it's like maybe half an episode. So I thought there was a little bit of weird dissonance there, but aside from that, I thought that whole bit was pretty sweet, and I really liked that performance. Um, so yeah, I like. I wish I had a little bit more to say about these three overall because I did like them, but uh, yeah, they weren't like. Uh, they weren't. Uh, they didn't leave that the biggest impression on me, but I thought they were pretty fun characters. Okay. Um, first off, Guido. I'm not that familiar with Brad Hawkins' work, but he does a very good job sounding like this 
gruffer boy, but he means well, and he's trying his best. And I did like seeing him interact a little bit with the other characters, as well as when he finally gets the equipment, when he just lifts the dwarf up and just gives him this giant hug in gratitude. It was like such a sweet, great moment for him. Uh, Kaval is great because he is just this like snarky, cocky leader who is trying his best. Like, he feels like he's the leader because he drew the biggest straw and that's why he's in charge. But he doesn't really know the best of what he's doing. And him and Natalie Hoover's Aaron probably made me laugh the most when they're running from the giant ant. And it's like, why the hell were you poking the fucking giant ant? It's like, I don't know. I was trying to get some experience. It's like, look. If we die, I'm gonna come back as a ghost, and I'm gonna haunt your ass. And it's like, oh yeah, there's a problem with that, cause I'm gonna die alongside you, you idiot. And it's just Natalie and Justin were so fucking funny in that moment. And like, I when I first saw Natalie in episode two, I just assumed she was going to be this super cute, super sweet, like girly girl character. And then to see all three of them are much more like tired <clears throat> veterans who have been at this for a long period of time and don't get the respect they deserve they get such tiresome jobs very little breaks i as somebody who has worked retail i understood the feeling of working too many hours for too little payoff and you could just feel all three of them were so fucking done and i identified with them so hard because of that natalie hoover like natalie hoover also is just you're right i don't get to hear her that often as very aggravated, aggressive characters. So when she gets to be mad and pissy, it's hilarious. And just the face when all three of them are having this meal and interacting. But they're all very fun, enjoyable characters. They really work and mesh well with Rimuru's squad. And in general, I just... They're a very fun addition to the show I was not expecting to enjoy. And even then... Like, they're very... F I talk about how funny and how great their chemistry is together. When they ask Rimuru to turn into his human form, and they all bow and give their thanks to Shizu for everything that she did for them. I was like, oh, fuck. I was taking... Fuck me up, fam. I was taken aback. I was already fucked up, but that was just like, okay! Fuck. <sighs> But Just yeah, Brad. 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 Salt the wound. Brad, Justin, and Natalie were a ton of fun for these small bit characters, but they left a pretty big impression on me for only just being there for a couple episodes. No, uh, Justin Cook and Brad Hawkins. I'm gonna do Brad Hawkins as Guido. I'll do really quick because he didn't leave the biggest impact on me. Uh, I thought he was he was good for his role. His character, unfortunately, didn't get to say as much. So, with that territory, it's kind of hard sometimes, and you just kind of have to, like, be like, oh, okay. Justin Cook as Caval was really interesting, because there were times where I couldn't tell it was Justin Cook, and then there were times like, oh, yes, that is very much Justin Cook. And the scene where him and Natalie are running away from the ants just fucking destroys me. Just his, the way he goes, well, if, well, there's one problem in your thing! We're gonna both be dead! And just the sounds of him eating and him being, like, trying to be the leader guy... And stuff, but the real big standout here is Natalie Hoover, who I swear they had her push her range 
to as far as they could when she was pissed. And it was great. And that's not something that you usually like to hear. You usually like to hear when you're watching a dub is when, like, you can kind of tell that, like, people are just going so hard that it comes off as almost unnatural. But if you've ever been that incoherently angry at somebody, you will know that your voice does that. And she was pissed. <laughs> and that's... Oh, like, I, I kind of wish that this show was rated, like, if, like, you know how the whole thing where, like, they always have threads of, like, if, take a PG-13, take a PG movie and make a PG-13, where do you put the singular fuck? You, you think Aaron would be the one to drop the fuck? I would have let Aaron drop the fuck. <laughs> drop the fuck! Fuck, 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 fuck! <laughs> it's like dropping the bass, but a lot angrier. Sonya Nevermind drops the F-bomb. Uh, so, I, I can't really add on to what the rest of the, the, the other guys have said. I think they've all kind of nailed how we feel about uh, Kaval, Aaron, and Guido. So, with that being said, it's time to dial G for goblins. Ah, uh, yes. The poor, misrepresented, misinterpreted, and misunderstood race in the past season or two of anime... It's good to see a true, earnest, honest representation of the goblin culture and ideology. This show is the true... Okay, look, I wasn't gonna bring it up. Just the fact that this and Goblin Slayer came out literally the same season is so fucking fascinating. Only one of these shows was good. <laughs> I'm not saying good or bad. I just find it funny where it's just like, one is like... Literal monster snarling evil creatures and the other are basically like I love all of you You are my children. You are my son and you are my daughter and I will I've and adopted everyone. five. I have adopted 500 children <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry that was really funny when he named the 500 goblins and just passed out for like passed a week. out Passed out for like three days. When you're naming OCs and you're like, fuck it, I'm done writing forever. <laughs> it's like, okay, so if I can be real, I used to play Zoo Tycoon like religiously as a child. And let me tell you, I would theme animals to different series. It got really hard after like, you have like, lion number 58. And yes, by the way, lions bred like bunnies in that game if they were happy. My other favorite thing was if I wanted to destroy the zoo's reputation, I would gate the front of the zoo and let all the vicious animals out so they would eat the park guests. <laughs> I should probably say, there's a lot of goblins in the show. Which ones specifically are we talking about today? We are going to talk about the three goblins that matter the most. We are going to talk about Rieger, the son of the goblin chief, whose older brother uh, went off and got killed uh, by the direwolves prior to Rimuru showing up. Rigard, who is essentially the leader of the goblin village, who kind of kind of fails his way up in hierarchy. And then Gopta, Pour one out for fucking Gopta, Gopta, press F to pay respect for Gopta. <laughs> Gopta is this one goblin who, when everybody evolves, he doesn't really change. And he's kind of the show's butt monkey. Um, after I say who plays him, I'm going to make a really bad joke. 
so, playing Rieger is Derek Snow. Playing Rigurd is Kent Williams. And playing Gobta is Ryan Reynolds. Derek Snow, you will know his characters such as Yagen Toshiro in Token Rampu Hanamaru and Dr. Danny in Angels of Death. Kent Williams, you will know his characters such as Hattori Soma in Fruits Basket and Sid Barrett in Soul Leader. Ryan Reynolds, you will know his characters such as Etoile in the, Hero- the Heroic Legend of Arsland. And that time, Zorme got reincarnated into a goblin. Yep. That's right, kids. It's everyone's favorite <laughs> I fucked your mom on Xbox Live, but Kix is like a golden retriever. Zorame, the actual best character in Darling in the Franks. At some point, I'm just going to start <laughs> claiming copyright on my own jokes at this point. <laughs> and yes, Gopta probably also kisses like a golden retriever. I mean, there's plenty of direwolves to practice on. God <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Gobta's a furry. Oh boy, that did not go the way I intended that to. <laughs> Yiffing it in the front. It never friends. does, Andrew. It never does. I lost control of that one really quickly. Let's move on. <laughs> it's the yiff of death. <laughs> Fuck. Oh boy. I just spit oh that on my fucking carpet. <laughs> oh no, that was my drink. Oh, thank God, it's water. Why? Why are you like this? Why? Because you all enable me. You're that not wrong. Yeah, of course we do. I mean, we're, we're obviously going to cut out the super dirty part of that, but I am not letting Yiffa Franks, Yiffa, Yiffa Death die. You know what? That's a Our... mistake. It's the Yiffa Death. Anyway, uh, honey, if you may, I woo your way into talking about the goblins. That's just gonna be a thing, the whole, whole episode. A woo! I, All by right. the way, I want this entire episode to end on a howl. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, Derek Snow's Rieger, like, of the three, he probably gets, like, the least amount of speaking time, but I... I really liked his performance before and after his transformation. Like, like he's a little bit of a wimp beforehand, and when he evolves, like, he's trying to figure things out. And it's it's it's, it's a fun performance. <laughs> uh, Kent Williams is Rieger, though. Oh my God. Uh, like. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Hefty, hefty, hefty. <laughs> Steal my oh, jokes fuck. now, are ya? <laughs> anyway, uh... I date you. I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, that is true. You have open license to my sense of humor. But, um... The first two or three episodes, like, he's just this wimpy old man and, like... He, Kent Williams gives him that, like, that really weak kind of stammer, which I thought was really nice. And then, like, all the goblins get named, and he transforms into the, into, like, the big buff leader Rigard, And, like, that's when the character really gets his chance to shine. Because he gets to flex, like, every time he speaks, just for no reason. Like, Pops, do you even lift? 
But, um... Like, I, I really like... I really like Kent Williams' performance. And he actually gets a third transformation. Or, actually, it would be a second, wouldn't it? Like, third form, second transformation. Like, after the, uh, the Dwarven arc, when all the, uh... When more goblins join the village and he gets promoted from, like, the chief to an actual king and he evolves again. And he gets even gruffer and that's, like, I really like that he gave each of the three forms a distinction and that was, it was really good. Now, uh, Ryan Reynolds is Gobda. It is probably one of my favorite performances of the show. Because Gopta, you see, given the way we were talking about the character earlier, he is the butt of a lot of jokes. A lot of jokes. And Ryan Reynolds never really plays Gopta into those jokes. Like, she plays him as earnestly as possible. And, like... The character comes out really likable by doing that. And, like, I gotta give props to that. And particularly, as we mentioned before, the, uh, the fight scene with, um, oh god, uh, Gabiru. He just kicks. <laughs> Fuck off, like... Goro! I am the true best boy in Darling in the Franks now! God damn it's it. It's just like, oh, oh crap. I, I gotta fight. I gotta <laughs> fight. Uh, eh. Throws his spear as a diversion and just disappears into uh, Gabita's shadow. Or Gabiru's. Gabiru. Gabiru's shadow. <laughs> Pocket sand! <laughs> Pretty much. And just kicks him in the back of the head. It's it's great. Like, that, that scene was really fun and Gabta is a really fun character. I liked all three performances. Solid job. Okay, um, I'll start with uh, Derek Snow and Rieger, because I don't really have a whole ton to say about Rieger. Um, cause I, did, like, I did think his character was like uh, pretty interesting regard, uh, in regards to like the whole meeting behind his character name. And, uh, and uh, how that ties into what happened with his brother, I thought that was, like, pretty interesting. Uh, but, uh, but aside from that, the character was just, like, kind of there for me. He didn't really stand out to me as much as some of the other goblins. But I thought Derek Snow did a pretty fine job with, with the material he's been given so far. Um, Kent, uh, Kent Williams as Rieger has been uh, very interesting. Uh, mostly because it's been a good while since Kent Williams has played this kind of character. Like, uh, I mean, it's, it's really not the first time he's played, like, a really gruff or silly character. Like, if you've seen any of the, like, roles he's played in Yu Yu Hakusho, he has a lot of fun with that sort of thing. Uh, but, uh, but I definitely haven't seen him do that sort of thing in a dub in a while, and it was a lot of fun to listen to. I really like uh, the distinction between his, like, old man voice where he sounds, you know, very kind of, you know, where he sounds very tired and then when he transforms into the Goblin King and he's like, okay, and he's a lot more swole and energetic. I thought that was pretty hilarious. 
As I add, uh, and uh, pretty much every line he utters while doing that voice is just, it's pure gold. And then, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is gone to, uh, little, little gone to the... <laughs> the little shit. Uh, yeah, every yeah, every yeah, everything about everything about Gobbler's existence just exists to be made fun of, but it's uh, but it's just, uh, but it's just so adorable you can't help but feel bad for him. <laughs> uh, uh, and I and I, and, and I mean it does feel kind of it is kind of weird that with how chill Rimu how chill Rimu is towards like pretty much everyone in general that Gobbler's just like Gobbler's just like the one person where Rimu is just kind of like whatever about. And I always think that's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, but I mean, but it kind of helps that Gobbler that Gobbler also just seems to have a really passive attitude about like basically everything. It's like, uh, like especially during like his whole fight with Gabiru, where he's kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. And he doesn't feel particularly motivated until he's like practically threatened into it. And I thought that was pretty funny. And like, and I especially just like the whole like, and I especially just like the whole revelation at the end of the fight where Rebiru is just like, wait. Was Gopta actually genius this entire time? <laughs> uh, what like that one nearly killed me. Uh, uh, but anyway, I really like what Ryan Reynolds has brought to the table. Like it pretty much is if it pretty much is basically if Zorame was a goblin, but yeah, okay, but actually amusing because I mean I didn't dislike Zorame, but like Gopta is definitely a lot more fun to me. So yeah. Anyway, uh, all the indie performances are really fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kent Williams and Ryan Reynolds in particular are definitely two of the most fun performances in this show, and they definitely bring a lot of energy to the table. Okay. I'm done. Okay, so before I say what I'm about to say, I just want to make sure. Rieger is Derek Snow. Yes. Regerd is Kent Williams. Yes. So, of the two, would that mean that Regard has that big D energy going for him? God damn it, Andrew. Damn it. <sighs> that one felt good. That one felt good. Okay, uh, on to- back of class. <laughs> See me after class. Sure thing, Dad. Anyways, um, Regard, uh, Derek Snow is a lot of fun, and he goes from this very wimpy, sad little boy to a pretty respectable uh, man in his community, and is a good leader. And he has a very cool bandana. He doesn't get to do as much, but I always like to hear Derek Snow do things, and it's fun to hear what he does with Rieger. Uh, Ken Williams is a ton of fun, especially with the distinction between before, before pre and post evolution, uh, because pre evolution, he is just this very old, tired, like wimpy man who can barely stand straight and so weak and tiny. And like, you can tell, like, it sounds like his teeth are about to fall out of his skull and then when he evolves, he is the most swole, manly man, like, eight-pack, green-skinned fathermucker in the guild. And it's great. And just the, the fact that Kent is playing both so distinctly is really a lot of fun. And he does a good job being this sudden village uh, chief. 
turn got like he basically becomes the Goblin King at some point, which correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that just David Bowie at that point? Get the fuck out of here! Get the goddamn fuck out of my house! <laughs> Principal's uh, office. Shit. I want to hear Kent Williams okay, say David okay. Bowie now. Okay, look. I'm about to make a really bad joke, but holy shit. Imagine if they put the Goblin Slayer in the labyrinth. Jesus oh. Christ. Oh, Dude, boy. I would watch that death battle in a heartbeat. <laughs> the Goblin King versus the Goblin Slayer. And he just, they both just end up making out at the end. <laughs> I'd watch it. Anyways, uh, so now that that, <laughs> watch that now that, that terrible image has been brought into my head, uh, oh, who the fuck are we kidding? Bowie'd totally be down for it. Anyways, uh, Gobta. Ryan Reynolds is a ton of fun as this tiny little butt monkey who could... And I kind of envy the fact that he could sleep upside down for two days and just be undisturbed. I wish I could sleep that long. But he is this little butt Goals. monkey who just never evolved and never hit puberty. But he tries his best to be the best. And when he actually does get that really dumb, cool fight scene moment and actually... When he survives Shion's cooking and he basically... He basically dies and... Gets something that even Rimuru doesn't have, which is poison resistance. And then he gets a shadow stealth ability and, like, knocks Gabiru out. And it's such a dumb, fun moment. But then it's like, oh no, this dumb little potato head is cool now. And I love him. And Ryan's just tone of voice is this sassy little teenage child. And it works perfectly for Gopta. And it's so much fun to hear them so yes, with all three characters, I could say that yes, all is good in the Goblin Hood. Peace. Thank you. Somebody wanted us to go work that into this episode. You're welcome. <laughs> Dare I ask who? I don't. Even... You'll. I know who it is. You'll figure it out with the uh, later. Okay. Uh, so it's time to uh, Rieger. It's really hard because Rieger and Rigurd, and it's it's something that even Rimuru puts out. I just put a D on the end of Rieger's name. <laughs> That's how he did it. Naming your OCs with Rimuru. Rimuru. Um, Derek Snow does a good job in this. This is very much what I more or less expect kind of out of Derek Snow's roles. I would say Dr. Danny is an exception, not the rule. Um, so he was perfectly fine. I don't have super much to say on him. Uh, God, Kent Williams with anchor arms. <laughs> Oh, God. Are you going to do the Spongebob thing? I used anchor arms once. Now I'm a jerk and everybody loves me. Uh, perfect. He's just swole. He went, He hung out with the Body Improvement Club from Mob Psycho. Yes! <laughs> Please watch Mob Psycho 100. Um, thank you, Jet, by the way, for buying me that. Because now I can actually watch the dub. Crunchy roll. Mm. Um, but no, Regird is just such an interesting performance because I don't think a lot of us assume Kent Williams can kind of do like sexy. Because Regird's got a little sex appeal for some folks, and uh, he's big and buff. I mean, and Token Rambu is a thing. Oh, that's right, because he's Taratachi. But go on. That's right. He. 
I can't believe my own boyfriend corrected me about Token Rambu. What the fuck? What a world. That's kind of hilarious, actually. I can't believe I just got Token Rambu shamed by my own boyfriend. First time for everything. You, you know what? I'm not even going to go for that low-hanging fruit. David Wald's not here. Um, <laughs> He showed up for like five <laughs> seconds in episode two, and that was about it. True, he did. Um, But no, I think Rigard is such an interesting take because Ken Williams does go on like such an evolution. And I feel like as Rigard gets bigger, his voice <laughs> gets like deeper and more Bishonen. As opposed to like old man voice. But God bless the fucking shit out of Ryan Reynolds in her heart. Um, <laughs> she is so entertaining as Godaba, Godaba who... Whose voice, thankfully, unlike any of the other goblins, never really changes. Like, even though she she becomes a hopcop, <laughs> becomes a hopcop, when Kodama still sounds like a dumb, a dumbass kid, which is great because Kodama's a dumbass kid. And every time, like, he is probably like Ryan's performance as Kodama is just such an interesting contrast to. Especially Kent Williams and a lot of the other characters who kind of have, like, the more sultry or more adult voices, where the one thing I really want to compliment is that Ryan Reynolds is a fantastic little boy voice. And at the same time, I also want to get to hear her play adult female characters just to see what it would sound like. Which is just a thing. But I love every second of Gotaba's dumb face and Gotaba's performance and some of the noises that she has to make because Gotaba's being harassed. Um, in this house, we stand one goblin and his name is Gotaba. Or Gobta. Mm -hmm. I call him Gotaba for some reason, but it's Gobta. Uh, but, as, uh, but now it's time for the reason that we awoo tonight. Let's talk about the two best friends anybody could ever have, their faithful doggo companion, and a dragon that they shoved in their own stomachs. <laughs> because that's what you do when you need to. Ragna is uh, Ruru is a uh, the leader of the direwolves who Rimuru actually kills his dad, and. Like, they actually have this really interesting part where River is just like, are, are you mad that I killed my dad? It's like, yeah, but we're cool now. Uh, and Valdora, who is the dragon that gives, essentially, Rimuru his, his immense aura and power. He's been imprisoned in a cave for 300 years by the great hero. But he's lonely, and nobody will come see him. And he's also Sundere, ba-ba-ba-baka. <laughs> to which, man, if you ever want to hear a really strange phenomenon, go listen to, like, I think it's Tatsuhiro Sakurai, if I'm correct in the Japanese. I no uh, no it's not Takahiro Sakura he that he's showing up later. Oh, that's really why he's it. showing up later. That's why I thought it yeah. was him. But no, it's 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 another. I, I don't I don't, re I don't recall. I'll anyways. look it up right now. Just I'm looking it up right no, now. Actually, no, just continue. I'll look it up for you. And essentially, if you ever wanted to hear a large man do the bubba 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 vodka thing, uh, this is the show for you. Um, so Tomoaki Maeno. Who I think is, like, a pretty big-name Seiyu. If I'm, if I'm correct, if I'm correct, I want to make sure that I'm correct as I'm looking this up, because this name looks familiar. <gasps> He's Camu! That's who it is! It's Camu from Free. I knew I knew that name! <laughs> hey, Gigi! Gigi's best boy, that's... as well as Haruitsuki Abano. 
from, from uh, Moros Mahanokian. Who's the second best boy, the third best boy in that show, was behind uh, the legislator and Fussy. Uh, no. So, playing everyone, uh, playing Slime's best friend is Tyson Reinhardt. And playing, uh, I don't want to get out of this cave, blah, 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 is Chris Rager. Tyson Reinhardt, you will know as characters such as, uh, Tadakazu Tiata in All Out in Kagari in Carnival. Chris Rager, you will know as characters such as Albert Dessler in, uh, Star Blazers Space Battleship Yamato 2199 and Star Blazers Space Battleship Yamato 2202. And Tetsu, uh, Tetsu, uh, Sunday Gaia in Surveyamp, because that's a show that we remember. Um, so, Roots of Justice, start us off. Alright, so, Tyson Reinhardt as, um, I'm sorry, what was his name again? Vel Ragna. I think it's Ranga or Ragna. Ranga. Okay. Ranga. Okay, yeah, because it, like, it was a, it was a whole play on the word storm. Because, you know, last name, every, everybody got the last name of Tempest, so. But, um. I'm so, so sad that they just didn't name him Moon Moon. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love how, like, Tyson Reinhardt plays Ranga basically like a dog. Like, like, stereotypical dog. Like, he's just like. Are you gonna throw the do the the ball boss kind of kind of persona? Just like happy to see Rimaru, fiercely loyal. Like it's it's great and like playing that dog like personality. It's it, it's great and I I really like Tyson Reinhardt's performance as him. Like especially uh, Megan brought it up, but the scene where. Rimuru basically asks him, yeah, hey, um, I killed your dad, are you cool with that, or... And he's basically like, you know, you're really strong, and if I tried to fight you, you'd kill me, but that doesn't matter, because you gave me a name and a purpose, and I don't intend to. And I, I thought that was, like, really poignant, and, like, really nice, and then, uh... What can I say about Chris Rager playing a Sundere character? Like, what can I say? Magical. Like, it's not a thing I expected in the slightest coming from anywhere. But now that it's happened, I'm kind of happy. Because it is the funniest thing. And... Like, I, I really like the scene at the end of episode, I think it was seven or eight. Like, uh, at... the one with Ifrit in the stomach? Yeah. Yes, it was seven. Okay. Where he's just like, yeah. Oh, hi, Ifrit. You wanna play? Kind of with that air of menace, and it's just hilarious. But, um, I, I really like both performances. They were great. I really want to see more of, uh, more of Veldora in the show, but it's great. It, they're both really, really fun. Thumbs up. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I will start with Tyson Reinhardt as Ranga first. Um, that's like, uh, this one was, uh, this one was a little interesting for me, having heard the Japanese track first and keeping up with the side of my guest. Uh, because in the third version, Ranga has like a very, had like a very gruff, 
you know, has like a very gruff and tough voice, which I guess kind of like fits the whole wolf image. And so, and like, and I do that pretty well. Whereas Tyson's, at where Tyson's performance sounds like a little lighter and a little bit more like, I guess a little bit more like a dog, which, so, and which is kind of like a weird contrast. But I think both, but I think both takes work pretty well and. I enjoy what I've heard of Tyson so far. He de uh, he definitely gets a pretty fun level of energy across during all the comedic moments. And, so, and he definitely sounded intimidating enough during Rocket's introduction that I was able to buy into the character pretty well. And uh, like Roots was saying, I did like that whole that whole little bit after his whole clan gets wiped out and where Ruby Roots is kind of like, oh, like, are you, you know, cool with the fact that I killed your dad? Okay, as and okay, and Raga's like a and Raga's like a little torn up about it, but he respects Rimuru for having given him a purpose, and and you know the whole survival of the fittest thing, and and that and that was um that was a little weird, but I thought that was handled well enough, and I thought that was I thought it added a little bit of an interesting dynamic to the show, and then and then Chris Rigger as Veldora was just that was a lot of fun because it's definitely not the sort of thing you would expect Chris Rigger to play. I mean, it's not the first time he—it's not the first time he's done that sort of like big, gruff, and posing voice. But if you mostly know him for Hercule, it is kind of an interesting contrast compared to that. And I definitely like—I definitely like how intimidating it seemed initially. But then you find out that Veldor is actually just like a pseudore, and I thought that whole contrast was really funny, especially coming off of such a big, booming voice. And it was—and almost all of his lines were pretty hilarious. But at, the, but at the same time, there was enough sincerity to his performance that you could just kind of, you could buy to his and Reboot's friendship almost immediately, and I thought, I thought that whole relationship was pretty touching, and I really hope Veldora gets, I hope Veldora gets out of Reboot's stomach eventually, so they can just hang and be pals again. And, uh, yeah, I'm done. Alright, so, uh, when it comes to Ranga, Tyson is very interesting. It sounds like very authoritative, gruff, animalistic at first, but then when he does start warming up to serving Rimuru, you can feel a lot more warmth and sincerity, but this sense of serve like loyalty and strength and determination in his loyalty. And he like it's so funny to see him be this badass cool magic dog, but also be this giant big puppy whose tail wags are so powerful it knocks him off the fucking cliff, and that's just a great moment. And the show really didn't have to ask about, hey, how do you feel that I killed your dad? It didn't have to ask that, but it's just a much more interesting moment where it's like, it's not like the thought hasn't occurred to me. I do feel torn up to see, like, that you were the one that slayed my dad, but... He was the one coming after you, and you gave me a new purpose. You made my pack and family grow stronger and gave us a new life when we probably wouldn't have survived. And I respect that more. And I think that's just very compelling. Like, Tyson's voice is very animalistic and charming. It's very simple, but it's sincere. And I also love the underrated delivery of when he's talking to Gabiru and he's like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this. Gabta, fight. If he just, <laughs> just, just like this comedic, he's mostly been like a straight-laced badass. And then he's just like, you know what? Gabta, 
Get over here. Fight. Fight for my loyalty. I'm gonna tear this bitch ass. I'm gonna tear this bitch ass up. Fight for fight for my loyalty. Uh, have fun. And it's just okay. That's some extra comedic uh, levity. And speaking of comedy, uh, Veldora, the strongest, most menacing motherfucker in this entire world, who is just a dragon who's been sealed up for several hundred years, who's been giving off all this magic aura and basically keeping order in the forest of monsters. He's just kind of like this lonely dragon who just kind of wants some company. And when you see, he sounds menacing and scary and powerful, but also is believably like, no, wait, don't go. I want to talk. I want to hang out. I, it's been kind of lonely here. And this, you're my friend now. And now we're friends. And he's also kind of the first person to show uh, Rimuru this respect of naming somebody and giving them a newfound purpose because it all started with Veldora giving him a new giving Rimuru his name and that's kind of what starts this cycle of kindness and giving one sense of self and I, it all starts with that friendship between a powerful dragon lord and a tiny little slime and it's just charming and Rager is just this booming voice who's larger than life but is so sincere and earnest and like like i said sudari it's great and when he when he's dealing with ifrit it's like hey that's my friend rimuru don't fuck with him because you gotta go through me now and it's great and rager's del a delight and i'm done i'm not <laughs> veldora to ifrit I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in You're here. You're trapped with me. in here with me. Uh, ah, it's always fun to do that. Uh, no. So Tyson Reinhardt as an actor is somebody I don't get to talk a lot about, and uh, I think I've only talked about him like once on this entire podcast, and that was for Carnival. And I think I remember liking him, but it's also been like a year and a half since I recorded Carnival. So what the hell? But no, I actually really enjoyed him as a Ragna, uh, Ranga, to which uh, I told Andrew this story earlier, but I have a confession to make. Because I literally did not start watching this show until yesterday. <laughs> Y'all are gonna laugh your ass off at this, but I legitimately thought that Ranga didn't speak at all. Like, I thought he had no spoken <laughs> words. I thought it was literally going to be 12 episodes of Tyson Reinhardt barking and growling. <laughs> That's funny. And he does a good job when he has to do the bark barks and growl growls and the awoos. Uh, but I think he comes off as growly, gruff, and doggy-like as you need to be when you're playing a giant wolf creature. And you also don't have to match that many flaps. <laughs> because I think they communicate with the wolves telepathically. <laughs> Which is kind of actually badass if you think about it. But I, I genuinely like how, when he has to deal with Gabiru, how much he's just fucking done with this bitch-ass white boy. Um, he's just like, really? Really, Karen? Do you want me to go back and get the manager? Okay, man this is the manager. Fight him, manager. Take out Karen in her minivan. Um, but I think that she he did a really good job. I think that he was very gruff in... At the same time, he was also, like, able to bring a little bit of cuteness out of, of, uh, Ragna, Ragna, because you kind of want to cuddle the big dire wolf unicorn with the star. He's a good dog. He's a very good boy. Ten, 13 out of 10 heckin' good doggo. 
And then I don't have actually that much to say on Chris Rager because Veldora is just kind of only there for like an episode. And uh, while I do appreciate this being, hey, Chris Rager's not doing Mr. Satan again. And it was just kind of there for me, which, yay. Because Chris, R I hope Veldora comes back as like a larger portion of the show. But I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't really have much to say there. So let's actually move on to... Our next group of characters, uh, Sadness and Magic Siri. Oh man, there's some interesting stuff to talk about with these two. <laughs> yeah, Shizu is essentially, and this is one of the things I also like about the show, is that um, this is a show where multiple people have been brought from another world, except for Shizu was by force. Shizu is, was a little girl in the Japanese... Uh, in, during World War II, who was going to die in the Japanese, uh, the American air raids on Japan, where they were dropping the firebombs. Like, gr think Grave of the Fireflies, guys, for people who don't know what that is. Um, she was forcibly summoned to another this world by Christopher Waycamp, who we're unfortunately not talking about, but I hope he comes back because holy shit, villain Chris Waycamp. Um, and is basically was forced to become a weapon possessed by the demon Ifrit, who I think was played by Chris Guerrero. Mm -hmm. Um, Shout out to you too. Uh, and forced to be his weapon. She also at one point set Macy Ann Johnson on fucking fire. God, that was such a fucking good scene. Fucked up scene. scene. And then the great scene, uh, but essentially uh, Shizu travels with the three of the travelers and they have, eventually she ends up spending her last days with Rimuru and eventually becomes absorbed by Rimuru, which gives Rimuru his human form their human form. The Great Sage is the ability of the Great Sage that lives inside Rimuru's head who might as well be magic RPG Siri. <laughs> so, playing Shizu is one Miss Dawn M. Bennett, and playing the Great Sage is Mallory Rodick. Dawn Bennett you'll know as the legendary Tai Yamada from Zombieland Saga, and Ritsuka Tachibana in Dance with Devils. You dick, I had my headphones in. <laughs> So, the legendary... what? TAYAMADA! God damn it. Okay, I'm very fortunate that her audio had the her audio cut out while she was screaming, so I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Mallory Rodek plays characters such as Solution Epsilon in Overlord, and Ortfine Frederica von Elstadt in Hizetta the Last Witch. Fuck you, I did it. Nice. Princess Fudrecker's back, boys! Yay! By the way, I specifically took that off because I wanted to get Andrew mad that I could do it and he couldn't on one try. Clap, or clap, fine, clap. Let's move on. Ortfine Fine Frederica von Elstadt in Izetta, two bitches get laid. Um, so. Awoo! Roots of Justice. <coughs> Alright, so I really like Shizu's um, little story arc. Like, I... I I really like that it was sort of portrayed as she was kind of there against her will, but if she hadn't have been there, she'd have died. And... Like, the the whole thing of her, her dying at the end of Episode 8, like, that was really... Oof. Where she's giving Rimuru her la her last wish, and like there's there's a lot of like great individual scenes in that story arc of her. 
Ugh. And Daunt's performance was spectacular, by the way. Like, she's subdued. You could tell... She played it with a bit of seniority, too, which was nice, considering the character, while she didn't physically age, still... Time still affected her, and she taught children, she went on various quests and slayed monsters, and, like, she had a long, fulfilled life, and that was really, that was really portrayed, and I, I really like that. I gotta say, though, with Great Sage, it was really kind of a one-note performance for the first, like, for the first half of the episodes that are out so far, which is, like, episode six. And then, all of a sudden, Great Sage gets a snarky personality to it. Which was... Uh, I laughed so hard when, like, when it gave uh, Rimuru, like, a sarcastic response to something. It, it, or what it's like, eat, it, eat it, shove it in this particular angle, and you will have a better chance of surviving this food. And there, <laughs> like, because the first time it happened, it was just uh, Rimuru was saying something, and then all of a sudden, Great Sage just retorts, "Mm-hmm." And I'm just like, "Whoa, there's a personality to this thing," and it like. She's becoming sentient! <laughs> just, uh, uh, just like the actual Siri, which I unfortunately do not have plugged in right now. <laughs> okay, that reminds me... Be careful what you do, <laughs> Bezos is watching you. Okay, I know I, we probably shouldn't go too <laughs> off topic, but I was watching, like, Gigix anime in 2018 video. He did a Siri joke while I was over at Steph's place, and I heard Siri go off in her apartment. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And then she told me later, oh yeah, my, my tablet has uh, has uh, Alexa. No, it wasn't Siri, it was Alexa. It's like, my laptop has Alexa on it, and it heard him say something in that video and responded, and I almost shit myself. I'm like, what the fuck? Alexa, go on a murder rant. <laughs> Alexa. Take out the- Alexa, collect me the blood of the innocents. <laughs> Alexa, kill the infidels. Oh, alright, let's- let's reel this one back in now. Yeah. Alexa- Alexa, find me an artisan that can help these goblins grow. Alright. But yeah, the- The fact that Great Sage, like- over the second half of the core just kind of gained a weird sense of humor like was just the weirdly funniest thing and i i really like mallory rodak's performance it was it was great both of them did really great thumbs up mm -hmm. okay um so i'll start with mallory rodak first since i don't have like as much to say i could like uh for the while i couldn't tell who i couldn't tell who it was honestly and while I'm like, like super familiar with Mallory Rodak, I did I do definitely enjoy her in the things I've heard her in, and um, she was pretty, and she was pretty fun as Great Change. And like we was saying, she didn't really have too much to do for the first few episodes, except be the exposition, 
you know, take me the exposition fairy. Uh, but as later episodes progress, Great Saints does get a little bit more of a personality. And I do, and I, and I do like some of her sarcastic responses to Reboot's actions. I thought that was pretty funny. And I'm, uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more of it in the, in the coming episodes. And as for Don Bennett as Shizu, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, Shizu is uh, definitely a very interesting character, and one that was a lot more complicated than I was expecting. Uh, I mean, obviously, having seen the, I mean, obviously, you know, if you've seen the opening song, you can kind of guess what her fate was going to be the second she came on screen. But e okay, but even so, Don Bennett managed to make her arc feel compelling. Okay, and and I really like I really like the way the show presented the way the show just presented her story of how she was forcibly sent from Earth during World War Two, which uh, that's uh, definitely very inter uh, definitely very interesting. They went with that angle, as I, and how like and how sympathetically they managed to portray her, and I do like what Ruth said about how there was like a little bit of a season like a little bit of a season attitude to her voice where. You can kind of tell that she was a little bit, that she was a lot older than her appearance. And, and I definitely didn't want to sell me on that character. And I just really liked a lot of her interactions with Reboot's voice actor, who we'll get to later. As I, and uh, it, it definitely didn't want to just make Siju's arc feel a lot more believable to me. And, uh, so, and, I, and I definitely did feel pretty bummed when she eventually kicked the bucket. And... Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, all in all, I thought both of these performances were very well done. Okay, so, Mallory Rodick. Uh, I'm very familiar with her stuff from, uh, her character in Fairy Tale, as well as her role as Yuki Mori in Yamato 2199, so I've gotten very familiar with her. So as soon as I heard her, I knew exactly what to expect from her tone of voice, and this gradual progression from pretty stoic, robotic, uh, world explanation narrator tour guide to snarky computer that's giving these responses in regards to the alcohol or just being like this is how you try not to die from eating this and just the times where he asked something where it's like well if you were to uh send them away they would all surely die right now it's like uh just it's a great dynamic when Rimuru and the Great Sage start interacting with one another. And you and you actually see it, like, instead of just becoming, like, an internal thing, it's like an icon in the corner, like a saving icon. It's like, that's a neat little touch, and I like that. And Mallory's tone of voice really sells me a lot on that. And can I just and say, real quick, that uh, Great Sage as a character is actually... It kind of fixed one of the big problems that there usually is of isekai shows, where... <clears throat> Fix the geez. exposition by right. giving, like, a dedicated exposition character that makes right. sense. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that is, a, that is a neat little thing. That does help that. And Shizu. Don Bennett, as an actress is always somebody who I know she's capable of a lot of very different ranges. She's impressed me every time I get to talk about her, every time I get to discuss something new about her. And even with Shizu, I got something a little bit new in that she sounded a lot more, like, older and refined. Like, a classy warrior lady, but somebody who is also very sweet and kind in the way she's playfully interacting with Rimuru. 
how she finds this connection of somebody from Japan. That sweet moment when he is showing her what Japan became after the war. That, like, really sweet, touching moment of showing that Japan, like, grew and survived the aftermath of war. Being pre preceded by this hilarious moment of seeing through his eyes. Oh no, I forgot to close the port in my mind. Oh god, don't look. And, and she's just like, she's very pretty. It's like, ah, oh, you, you're great. When your girl's okay with your fetish. <laughs> that's when you know you found the one. That's when you know you found the one. But the the stuff about her past, when she's transported, the, the trauma of, like, the one friend she had burning them alive because that's inner programming. And when she's telling her life story. And when she's on her deathbed. Like, it's her deathbed. And you hear, like, how weak her voice is. And how much, like, she is she is not remorseful. She is at peace that she is telling her life story. The things that she is slowly giving away and inheriting her will and her identity to somebody else that she trusts and takes bond with. When she's slowly fading away. And when she's dissolved. And when, like, she's finally running in the dream and she sees those she's been running after before finally going back home to her mother in Japan who died and just that touching moment of her running away to be with her one last time as she sort of fades into Rimuru. Dude, this is a funny show. It's amusing, it's touching, it's warm, but God, that one got me and just Dawn's performance at the end is you done good, girl. You done good. Let's get Mallory out of the way, because it's obviously this is very much going to be focused on Dawn. Uh, I can agree with Roots that I, I, find, I find Mallory's performance fine, but I think she is kind of limited by what her character needs to do. And I feel like if she comes off any... Uh, until Susan or Alexa here grows a personality um, and becomes sentient... She can't really do too much or you lose the effect of it essentially being a magic Siri. Like, you can't go outside the binary too, too much or you're going to lose the effect. And it's also very, it's a very similar performance for the Seiyu for the Great Sage as well. But I think Mallory does it, does it well. Um, but I want to give props to Dawn Bennett who not only gets to play the old, she basically gets to play Shizu through her entire life. She has to play the scared little girl Shizu. She has to play the uh, sagely Shizu. She has to play the Shizu that's uh, in pain. Like, Shizu as a character is just... Man, if... If there was a way to inject a heart into the show, that's how I think you do it in these types of shows. You don't have to be... Like, let's face it, Shizu has a very cruel fate. Shizu has gone through things, but the way that they put it up is that they don't, like, I feel like a lot of Isekai can be really mean-spirited with a lot of their characters, and while that does bring a lot of very good dramatic performances and stuff, I think the fact that Shizu's allowed to have lived a full life, and Dawn gets to play that full life to Shizu really lends itself to her performance. 
you you obviously have a a woman who has seen a lot of things who has lived through immeasurable trauma but she's not malicious she's not mean she's just trying to live the best life that she can and i think there's a lot of heart in dawn's performance and it really got me when um she's telling her story to rimuru on her deathbed and i think one of the the kind of cute moments is i'm not a bad slime slurp <laughs> because she learned it from another little uh, she learned it from another child a child that was forced to bring into this world and that's how she bonds with rimuru and i think to me one of the things that really gets me is the way that she the way that they mixed and how soft dawn speaks as she's dying it's just almost, it's like a whisper of the last of her life that only Rimuru can hear. And it's almost hard to hear as you watch the show. And I think, I want to give a lot of props to the mix team on that. And for Dawn and, and especially for Kristen that, Kristen kept that scene so straight and so heartfelt. Where I think a lot of other times it's like, yeah, this is a comedy, but this is the the, the the part that's not funny, but sometimes we gotta inject punch into it, and I don't feel like they did, and I was like, good job, guys. Um, and the thing that really gets me is the way that she goes from crying as an adult to crying as a little girl in her, in her dream. Because Rimuru is like, give her a dream that she can live in forever. While she- because she's dying and he's gonna eat her. But- Dawn really 100% knocked it out of the park. So, time to move on to our last character? Yep. Let's do it. Yep. Come at me, brah! It's time to talk about the reason we are all here, the reason why it is slime time. The one, the only, Rimuru Tempest. The titular slime that was reincarnated from uh, Satoru Mikami. Is it Satoru Mikami? I think... Think yeah, it's Satoru, Satoru Mikami. Yeah, Satoru Mikami, who was a 37-year-old man who essentially saved his uh, subordinate from being stabbed and dies himself and makes all these wishes and da 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 da. Uh, also, I would like to, I have no way to bring this up, but one of the things that I would like to point out to the credit of the show overall is that they actively do portray uh, uh, Rimuru as a 37-year-old man because when he fantasizes about elves... He fantasizes about them in Legend of the Crit, like a uh, record of Lotus War. <laughs> yes, style. he's not. He's not like imagining like modern fetish stuff. He's thinking of like '90s shoujo-ish, like hot so, elves, and I respect that. That get a man who's uh, who's uh, consistent in his fetishes. So, playing uh, the human version of Rimaru, uh, Satoru is Jason Lebrecht, and playing Rimaru as we come to know them in the show is Brittany Karbowski. Jason Lebrecht, you'll know his characters such as Yato in Noragami, as well as Mutsunokami Yoshiyuki in Tokunabu Hanamaru. Brittany Karbowski, you'll know his characters such as Kod in Tendo in Gamers and Blackstar in Soul Eater. And I got the right Karen this time. Yay. Because <laughs> I fucked it up last time. Uh, Roots, a woo away. Alrighty. Um... So, not much to say about Jason Lebrecht's side of the performance, because he's only in, like, ten minutes of the first episode and, like, a flashback here and there. But the one poignant thing of his entire performance is just the repeated, oh yeah, destroy my computer's hard drive, as he's dying. (laughs) 
Big mood. Throw it into the bathtub. It's the biggest mood. And like his subordinate goes and does it. It's funny. And then he's like, uh, when I have a son, I'm naming him after you. And like the the best part about that is as he's dumping the hard drive into the bathtub, like there's a little warning in Japanese, yeah, don't do this. Don't do this at home, kids. Now, moving on to Brittany Karpowski's side of it. Like, I really... I really dig the complexity of Rimuru's character. It's... Kind of a weird thing to have to play, like... An amorphous blob, basically. Because in that first episode, Rimuru basically has to rediscover how to do just about everything. How to move, how to see, how to hear... And just... Had a poop. <laughs> well, slimes... Kind of. Slimes don't have to poop. They just absorb every aspect of whatever they eat. <laughs> kind of like how a wizard used to make their poo disappear. <laughs> God damn it, JK. Oh, God. <laughs> this episode's already gonna be dated the moment it comes out. All these... <laughs> <laughs> but that's half the fun. We all these specifically early January memes we're throwing out here. But anyway, it's a fucking <laughs> steamed hams joke in the Devil Man episode. <laughs> Fuck off. Touche. Touche. It's a goblin specialty. But it, steamed hams. But in any case, um, like as Rimuru basically grows and develops and like gains powers from monsters gains a human form starts mixing and matching powers together to make new ones like you can tell Brittany Karbowski is making an active attempt to grow the character as it as the as the story progresses and like the character arcs shift like it's it's really nice and God, the, the stuff between Rimuru and Shizuo is, like, uh, it's so good. Especially when he he melds into her mind and shows her how <laughs> Japan has progressed. And, ah, uh, that was so good. And, <laughs> which, on the side note, when the, uh, in the, at the very beginning of that scene, when the... He shows her the computer that boots up, and then there's, like, elf porn that he desperately tries to hide, and Brittany Karbowski is panicking about that. That was absolutely hilarious. Like, she plays... She plays Rimuru with such high energy, and then can easily tone it down when things start to get serious. I really like Rimuru. And Brittany Karbowski's performance. Thumbs up. Mm -hmm. Okay, I guess I'll go. Um, so Brittany Karbowski is one of my favorite voice actresses, and uh, this was uh, this one was definitely within the general framework of her character range. So I wasn't like super surprised to see she was cast here, and I'm very glad she was. Um, I like how well she manages to shift between Rebirth's enthusiasm about you know all the crazy fantasy world stuff. They encounter, and also some of Rimuru's Stark when they're, whenever dealing with characters like Gabata, 
Or, you know, just Reaper's generally tired attitude about anything that feels like too much work. Especially the way Reaper just tries to pawn off jobs on other people, I always find that to be pretty funny. Uh, and it definitely makes it easy to believe that Reaper used to be a middle-aged man. Uh, and while Reaper's completely serious moments are uh, a little rare in between, Brittany manages to handle a lot of those really well, too. And that whole bit we keep talking about in episode 8 where Rimu and Chizu kind of rubber, kind of reminisce about Japan. And that was like a particularly standout moment for her, especially since the chemistry between her and Don Bennett's performance. It just really helped to sell the idea that these two were kind of wayward souls adapting to a world that wasn't really, you know, it's not really the world they came from. And it kind of made their immediate connection feel a lot more believable. Uh, while I wouldn't quite rate this as my favorite Brittany Karbowski performance of 2018, it was definitely my favorite among the characters he played, and her delivery here was very consistent. Uh, however, I do have one major gripe here, and it's actually not about Brittany's performance, but rather some of the dialogues he was given with Kristen's adaptive script. Um, uh, basically, my issue is that in the dub, a lot of Reboot's lives during comedic scenes, as you know, it's puts up in a lot of internet slang and, you know, occasional meme references. And while I assume that this was probably, like, meant to be a character tick on Christian's, on Christian's part, since, you know, Rimuru is obviously... Rimuru is the only character who sounds this way. And I guess it was probably done in an attempt to, you know, make Rimuru sound a sick from, from everyone else, since, you know, Rimuru is from Earth and everyone else is not. And so I thought it worked well in that sense, but my problem is that I just kind of don't think it really fits the character. Uh, because while we don't spend like a ton of time with Rimuru in Rimuru's human life, uh, you know, uh, also I didn't really talk about Jason Lebrecht here, but I, uh, but I did enjoy what little we got with Jason Lebrecht during his death scene. I thought, as uh, like, uh, he managed me to make feel, he managed me, uh, ah, flies are pretty terrible. Uh, he managed to make me feel pretty sorry for Satoru, even though he was only really around for like 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, but Jason did what he needed to there, and I I felt very sorry for him during his whole demise. Uh, but anyway, uh, while we didn't get a whole ton of time with Satoru, what we did get tells us that, for the most part, he was a regular middle-aged dude. Like, sure, he's probably played a few video games in his lifetime, and he didn't really have much romance in his life. Uh, but we're definitely given the impression that he was, you know, just like your average 30-something-year-old guy and not necessarily a nerdy otaku. Uh, and that's literally kind of reflected Rimuru's, you know, general level of maturity whenever Rimuru's, like, dealing with conflicts and stuff. Uh, but then I'm kind of taking the extra step to make a lot of his lines sound nerdier or something, you know, like something millennials will, would say. It kind of gives the impression, kind of gives more the impression that Rimuru is an otaku and... It just felt a little too out of character for me. Uh, like, uh, like it's not a total deal breaker, and I do think Kristen handles a lot of Reboot's serious moments well enough that Reboot doesn't feel like a completely different character for me. Uh, but it was a problem for me when uh, it was a problem for me while watching the dub, and and if I'm gonna be honest, it kind of made me lean a little bit more towards the subtrack. So I like Britney's performance. I don't really like a lot of the dialogue she's given, but it is what it is, I guess. And I'm okay, bad. Okay, interesting. Uh, Alright. So. Rimuru Tempest. Brittany Karbowski. Is effectively the heart and soul of the show. 
for a character that technically doesn't have a heart or a soul, if we're being real here, because it's a slime. But there is a lot. There's a lot on display in regards to what Brittany Karbowski has to work with for this character. There is so much in terms of comedic effect, in terms of quizzical learning about the world, interacting with other characters, learning about themselves, learning about the world, interacting with characters around them, realizing that they are overpowered and ignorant about how overpowered they are. Real, There is so much to Rimuru Tempest as a character. And everything that Brittany Karbowski is... Like, as soon as I heard Brittany Karbowski, I'm like, this is a perfect fit for Rimuru. But you can tell that Brittany is giving her 100% when she plays Rimuru as a character. And it is fantastic. She is hilarious. She is interesting. She is compelling. She is action-packed. She does these really good action lines. She can make me feel emotional things. The scene where she's with Shizu is a delight. Rimuru is just this interesting character that I think about is the heart of the show because there's a lot of other isekai which is about characters effectively living their like they're, they're, like they say people are nice people when they transfer or it's like oh they're otaku but they have their best interests at heart while they're indulging in their fantasies and while Rimuru is still kind of indulging in a fantasy Rimuru's goal is bringing others together which is interesting because it makes me think of like his worker life he was always used to being like the pushover but he himself seemed to enjoy like bringing others together even though he himself had trouble connecting with others like he enjoyed that he was able to bring like his uh, his kohai and a girl together but he himself has always had trouble connecting with others and i see a lot of that in his ability to connect the monsters in this world together and protect them and it's just a really nice change of pace that this is just this I, i've seen a show referred to as like the anti-overlord and i can kind of see it there's a lot to say about Brittany karbowski everything she says is fucking hilarious some of the things that she gets to say i actually think a lot of the things she gets to say throughout the entire dub like whether you think it fits or not it's it makes me laugh, and it's just so fitting. Like, in this kind of show, and this kind of character, it works. It never feels like it's overstepping itself too much, and I always get a kick out of the way Rimuru interacts with the world around, around them. And just the script, the character, there is so much in what Rimuru is offering, and I'm just so impressed by the entire package. I think everything's firing on all cylinders, and this is probably one of Brittany Karbowski's, like, most complex characters, period. Okay, so I can't add more than what they've already been said. Just to get Jason out of the way, Jason did a good job being the, uh, I liked, I actually kind of really liked Jason as, uh, Zatoru because he was kind of the nice guy, like, hey, yeah, I'm, my co-worker's here to brag about his new girlfriend, and they're gonna take me out and butter me up, blah blah blah. Um, and then I like how he, how he dies whining. And one of the things I really appreciate was the really well done transition between his voice into Brittany's voice as Rimuru. 
that being said, one of the things I really appreciate about Brittany Krabowski's performance as Maru is that you can hear the absolute passion that she has for this character and this role. And that is something that is really, really, really hard to fake when you're listening to a dub. So just hearing how much fun Brittany's having is really, really interesting to me and very a good reflection on how they feel. I do kind of agree with Jed a little bit that sometimes the writing can kind of make the writing comes off as a little bit too forced maybe for certain situations while the lines can be very funny out of context it's just sometimes like it's again like i said you have to toe that line especially in a show like this because the last thing you ever want to do with a dub is date it i don't think slime has done that thank god slime has not done that because i want this dub to be passed on to people Mm -hmm. but I think the guys have kind of said a lot of what I what I've been what I want to say, so I I don't think I could say much more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For what it's yeah for what it's worth, like for a role by complaints, like I don't think it, there's I don't think my problem with the script would necessarily date the show. It's just more my problem with how the character sounds specifically. Okay. Yeah. And so. and for me, like, there's a lot of times where I was like, oh my god, please don't let this like, especially because I watched the sub. The one thing I would say is I wish Rumiru's voice was a little bit more androgynous to me, but it's not bad. That's just a, a, a like a minor nitpick is that like, as a human, I wish your voice was a little bit more androgynous because you have no secondary sex characteristics. But that's just me. Anyway, uh, final thoughts, because holy shit, we've been here longer than I thought. All right. Uh... We're actually making better time yeah, than awesome. I thought, awesome. too. Yeah, that's not, yeah. Uh, given the amount of characters we had to go through, we are actually making better time than yeah, I was expecting. Yeah, I was expecting this honestly to be honestly to be like a three and a half hour episode. So we're so let's wrap fun. this up in under three. Let's do it. All right. So isekai is kind of a really weird genre where a lot a lot of the elements are kind of. Not so fun when you look uh, look at it under the microscope. But uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime, it does some creative things to avoid that. And this may be one of my favorite isekai shows since maybe Inuyasha. Which... God... Uh, I, I still I still find it kind of funny how much how many of the tropes of isekai were basically appropriated from shoujo, but that's another story for another time. Uh, as for the dub, it's very solidly constructed. Uh, as I said before, casting casting is wonderful. Even the people we haven't talked about who will probably play more prominent roles later on in the series. Uh, I want to know who's going to play that, like, twin-tailed pink girl in the credits. She looks like she's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a very fun dub. It's not... It's not something I probably would have given dubbies to, but it's it's a nice, comfy, well well-crafted dub. So, like... Everybody involved, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Okay, uh, uh, as for me, um, I mean, I heard interesting things about Slime for a while in regards to Isekai in general. Uh, mostly because everyone kept, mostly because I kept hearing that it was 
a lot different than other isekai stuff, and it definitely is. Uh, like Meg uh, like Megan said a little earlier, a lot of isekai stuff does come, tend to come off as pretty mean-spirited, uh, whether intentionally or otherwise. And uh, it's really nice that Slime is just an all-around really pleasant slip. Just an all-around really pleasant show, like, the characters are very nice and wholesome. Rimuru's just like this really nice person who wants to help people and achieve world peace. And it's and it's just a really fun time. I like a lot of the jokes. I like a lot of the characters and the dynamics. And I really like a lot of the writing and specifically how specifically how well they manage to make character moments just have a lot more parts than you would ever really expect from an Isekai thing. And uh, yeah, it's just been having a lot of fun with this show. Uh, as for the dub, it's an uh, it's an overall pretty solid production. Uh, a lot of the performances here are on point. Uh, the script works well enough, though. Again, I do kind of have my nitpicks with how Reaper sounds. And uh, well, I and while I personally kind of lean a little bit more towards the soundtrack, if you're looking to watch the show in English, this is a perfectly fine dub, and I think I'll have a pretty good time with it. So yeah, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Look, isekai is a genre that I am very mixed on, and there is going to be a lot of shows that are continuing to come out that I continue to be very mixed on, but I think this has helped me solidify what I would actually care for, for my personal taste in regards to an isekai show. I want something that does not take itself too seriously. I want something with a little bit of charm and color and does not look like a gray, edgy color palette. Or does not, like, self-masturbate its own video game otaku references 24-7. This is just, like, there are references here and there, but it does not feel too grossly indulgent. But it also feels fun, charming, there's drama and character growth. And this world is compelling, it's interesting, its characters are unique, it's they grow and learn, the world changes, and it feels like the goal of this show is much more earnest and kind-hearted than I would expect from shows of this genre. It's fun, but it has a heart of gold that I kind of respect a lot, and I really enjoy and I wish I could see more out of this genre. Something that was fun and earnest, without being, like, too... Like, I, I understand there's an audience for, like, the edgy stuff, but as I've grown over, I, I've just grown more detached from wanting that. It's like, there's dark shit in the world. I want something that doesn't remind me of that. But yeah, this is just a pleasant, fun, enjoyable show that I have a lot of fun watching, and I can't wait to watch more of. The dub is a ton of fun. I love... This is a huge ensemble cast. I love the characters. I love how they sound in English. I love some of the goofy performances, the eccentric performances, and the emotional performances from the direction and the, and the writing. Uh, Cliff, Brittany, Kristen, you're all doing fantastic work with this. Like, I'm not going to say this is, like, the greatest thing I think y'all have done, but this is a fun time and an enjoyable experience that I think y'all are doing a solid job with. And I'm glad I could talk about it. Yeah, I I really agree with a lot of things. I I am somebody who I enjoy a lot of like 
darker stuff. Like, hello, I like Tokyo Ghoul. Like, the shit in a Tokyo Ghoul. And that's about one of the most mean-spirited, dark edgelord things on this fucking planet. Um, I like that. I do enjoy that stuff. Um, to me, the one thing that I really like about Slime is that a lot of contemporary isekai have elements that are just really just something I don't want to, to see characters go through. Um, I know I am a fan of another show where the, the basic premise starts out like that, but that show quickly abandons that aspect of the series and instead actually focuses on the character in that predicament's growth and she is the main character and that is not something I have seen in actual isekai have the goddamn nards to actually fucking do because... I'll admit that sometimes as a female anime fan watching a lot of isekai, this is, it's, it very much comes off as a boys club type of thing in contemporary sense. And that's something I really enjoyed about that time I got reincarnated as slime. Like, nobody's stronger than somebody else because they're a guy. Like, essentially your character is a sexless slime who- and it's a lot of fun and the writing's a lot of fun and I think the dub is really cute and I think the dub is really fun for a lot of people who- want to sit and have a good laugh and just enjoy characters and no matter what language you watch that time i got reincarnated as a slime in you're going to have a good time like is that time i got reincarnated as a slime gonna like create an entire new subgenre of isekai or is it gonna like blow the world like off its feet maybe i don't know but the thing is i like getting to come now at least because i've been holding off on watching it until we we recorded this. I enjoy the fact that, like, once a week, I'm going to- If I need to, I can just turn this on and have a good time after I've watched something that's maybe a little bit edgy. Or if I've watched something that's, like, I didn't like the first episode of and I just want to put on something like, Hey, I like- I enjoy this. So, cast- uh, props to the cast and crew. With that being said, if you liked- If you want to watch that time I got reincarnated as a slime, if you want to watch it in the subtitles, you can head it over to Crunchyroll. If you want to watch it in English- you can watch it over on Funimation. As of the time of this recording, there is no home video release slated, and it most likely will not be slated until late uh, later this year, as of the time of this recording. Uh, if you like anything that we do, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook. I'm sorry, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, if you like us and you like the things we do, you can always buy us a, co a coffee. We have a link down in the description below. Uh, guys, quickly run through who the fuck you are so we can go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> Um, I'm Roots of Justice. You can find me on Twitter at Roots of Justice. Uh, mainly retweet cute animal pics. Occasionally talk, like, general entertainment stuff. It's, it's a good time. You should come on down. Also, um, I think the moral of this episode is... Japan, get on that plus-size elf adaptation. Come on, just do it. Get on it. Okay, okay. I That did not go the direction I was expecting, but... <laughs> It's gonna happen. It's gonna be great. Okay, uh, as for me, um, it's a, uh, you can find me on Twitter at DivineDiga. That's a, uh, where I will, uh, where I'll, you'll usually be posting about cartoons or anime or just ranting about random things. Uh, you can also occasionally find me on my blog, Animation Infinity, where I will occasionally write things. Uh, this, uh, this season and I've been attempting to do episode reviews for The Promised Neverland, so that's gonna be pretty fun. And, uh, yeah. Oh, you can also find me on another podcast, Surreal Resolutions, 
I mean, that's a real resolutions podcast today where we just got to shoot the breeze, talk about animators. All right. Uh, my name is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. You can find me on Twitter at Mangaman9000. I'm also a moderator over on the Funimation forums and Discord. So if you want to hang out with me there, I you can find me there. And I, too, am also a regular on Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, where we talk about anime news and the like. So, yeah. All right. And I am Queen Era 2. You can follow me at Twitter at Queen Era 2, where I shitpost and all that fun junk. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's all I got. I shitpost lately. All day, every day. Anyway, with that being said, uh, gentlemen, it has been an honor. Um, I can't believe we all got slimed. Oh, we got slimed real good, girl. You can't do that on television. God, what would you do? I wish I could do Shion on television. Andrew! <laughs> what? Corner. You would do the same for your flaming ogre boy, too. Why would I do that when I have Roots of Justice right here? Okay. Okay, now you're putting me in a corner. Look. <laughs> Figure it out, Andrew. Do you have the guts? I got the glory. <laughs> Are you a wild and crazy kid, Andrew? I am right. I'm making a bunch of Nickelodeon live-action game show references. But that being said, I would like to explore Shion's legends after her hidden temple. <laughs> God damn it! Andrew, turned it back around. Now go pee in the corner. Okay, Steph, if you're listening to Andrew, the, Andrew, Steph, Andrew you are only allowed you. to go into the legend of. You are only allowed to go into Shion's Legends of Her Hidden Temple only if you can get past the Shrine of the Silver Monkey. You can never, you can never find the Shrine of the Silver Monkey. The Shrine of the Silver Monkey. Anyway, on the count of three, guys, because I want to end this on a big awu. Okay. Yeah. One, two. Three. Good night. Oh, sorry, it's waiting. I can't be loud. <laughs> Good night, kids. No taku on, my friends. Oh, the silver monkey is the clitoris. Uh... I get it now. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Show